does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's one of my favorite days of the year. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Safe travels to everyone over the next, certainly 24 hours, but the rest of the week. And an early happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton here on this Wednesday morning. It looks like a balmy Thanksgiving. 60 degrees. Is that here. what it's supposed to end up? I know for the drumstick dash, it's going to be like, it's going to be nice. I mean, probably 40 or so. Yeah, I think it's supposed to reach 60, definitely upper 50. So um, that should be good from a travel standpoint. Drumstick dash as well tomorrow. Uh, but again, a happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I, I feel like this like 72-hour cycle and probably leading into Sunday, this is always one of the more appointment television sporting stretches of the year. There's just so much, Kevin, about this weekend in general. Which is good if you hate your family. That is... <laughs> it says, like, getting the spirit, like, hey, if you hate your folks. I just want to cover all bases here. Oh, by I the mean, way, I forgot to put on my turkey hat. Oh, that's a tradition. Yeah, right. Tradition unlike any other. And that now, who gave you that originally? So, shout out to Julie Sen, former um, sales... Um, account executive here, and um, I wore it, you know, driving in this morning, and it kept on kept on hitting the ceiling of the car. <laughs> now, I felt you, like I I, I went from six three to like five eleven driving. You, did you pull up next to anybody? I like did. They, yeah, thirty eighth and Meridian. I got an interesting look at some people. Well, that um, actually is kind of par for the course for that area, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never know, but I like to tie it under the chin. I, mean, I live one block from there, so you keeps know. the double chin kind of do a single chin when you do this. So it's cozy. I feel good. How do okay. I look? It's yeah, it's a good look. Like a guy with a turkey hat on his head. It is say the compliment. I think now so. you also have. Don't you have a Christmas variation? I do. And again, shout I'm glad out. you still get your headphones. Headsets yeah, on there. Do right. I, have, I think I have to go this way. Like I'm an air traffic controller right now. Um, I think it was Julie Sin's mother actually that knitted this, which it actually is pretty cool. Yeah, adds to, um, you know, really cool. Now I'll bet your kids love when you wear that. Yes, when Rosie saw me put it out last night next to uh, my bag, she was beyond thrilled. She wanted to put it on, and it just engulfed her. Um. Starting today, you know, I think so nostalgically about, and, and I, I'm thrilled for people that are young, you know, that are like college age. This was always such a fun night. Oh, without a doubt, because everybody's coming back home, and you know, you're calling everybody on the phone from all your all your buddies from high school that are at different schools and getting together. And I mean, we had so much fun back in the day at like old pros table. Was, James V kind of is at spot. my spot tonight. Where's that? Uh, Brothers in Broad Ripple. Yeah, so that was another one. Well, Brothers actually wasn't there. Um, Chumley's was there when I was Ooh. of the same age, which has changed. But Old Pro's still there. But it was so much fun. And then, you know, Indiana would always have like a big game or Purdue this weekend. But then the high school football finals. My favorite day 
is probably Friday to come down. The circle of lights is being lit. Everybody's in a great mood and festive, getting ready for Christmas. You've done Thanksgiving. You're getting ready to go shopping over the weekend, maybe. You've got the high school state finals on. The Colts playing on Monday night. I mean, it is truly a pretty magical time. And let's lay out a little bit of that schedule. Like you said, Jake, we've got 2A, 4A, and 6A. They, those start at 11 a.m. on Friday. So you can hear those on our airwaves. Um, it's the same exact schedule Saturday with the odd classes, so 1A, 3A, 5A. Um, also on Friday, you've got the United States and England, second World Cup match. Uh, that is a massive one for the Americans. Uh, Purdue fans will probably want to pay some attention to Iowa and Nebraska, just to make sure. I mean, Iowa is an offense this year that has been known to score very little. And again, if Nebraska pulls off the upset and beats Iowa, then Purdue in the bucket game would be for a trip to go to the Big Ten title. So Purdue fans will just want to monitor that one. Friday night, you got Pacers and Nets. 8 o'clock tip, like you said, Jake, the lighting of the tree. Um, and then Saturday, you've got, again, the state finals games. you got Michigan-Ohio State at noon. you got the bucket game at 3.30. Notre Dame-USC at night. Um, we've got college basketball tonight. You've got Butler in the Bahamas. You've got Indiana. You've got Purdue tomorrow night. That's late out in Portland, Thanksgiving night. So you've got everything. Really, that that you would want again from a sports standpoint, and this is probably the best Thanksgiving slate I can remember of games, NFL wise. In terms of what games jump out at you, I mean, obviously the Colts are on, you know, to, to finish it off. But well, I'm what, just talking what are the strictly Thanksgiving days. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Of the six well, teams, two, seven and three teams, right? Of the six teams, Jake five are in the playoffs right yeah. now, and the one that's not are the Detroit Lions. And don't look now, but they've won three straight. That's actually the highest over-under of the week, Bills and Lions. 54, the over-under on that one. No other game, I think, is above 48. Um, A little bit of schedule logistics. Um, It probably doesn't matter to a lot of people because it's a road game, but yesterday was the final day they could have flexed the Colts out of Sunday night football next week, and the NFL elected not to do that. Cowboys-Colts a week from Sunday down in Dallas. You surprised they didn't flex that one? Not really. I mean, there are some good games next week, but isn't Dallas just the automatic? You just leave them in prime time? Yeah, I feel like the ratings, they're like, well, the Cowboys are on, so... And they're good. Yeah. That's the thing about the Cowboys to me that are kind of intriguing this year, Kevin, is... They are good. Like, there have been so many years where we hear nonstop about the Dallas Cowboys and they were garbage. Right. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, like, they're decent, and yet you don't hear a lot about them. Because all the talk in the NFC is about, like, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Well, the Eagles are in their division right now. The Eagles, yeah. And they're just kind of, pardon the pun, coming off of Eagles, but the Cowboys are the ones kind of flying under the radar, right? Well... Will they be flying under the radar if they get Odell Beckham here in the next few days? That seems to be the hot name. And I think it's worth pointing out, Jake, again, the Colts play them a week from Sunday. So tomorrow the Cowboys host the Giants. Then they have a 10-day break until Indianapolis. You would think that break could allow for a time to bring in Odell Beckham. Who knows if they will do that? Who knows if he'll be ready for that game with the Colts? But... Something to monitor. Again, Bills at Lions to get things started around noon tomorrow. Giants and Cowboys to follow 
and then Vikings and Patriots. That would be just a good mascot matchup, the Patriots against the Vikings, I, I from a historical standpoint. Um, Ragnar is cool, right? Does he still come out like in a... He's on a Harley? Yeah, he's on a Harley, right? Um, the You were talking about the, the Cowboys and... You know, just their dynamic and then adding Odell Beckham, if he were to come there, certainly that opens up their offense a little bit. Because Beckham, say what you want, Kevin, last year, you know, there are those that certainly thought that Beckham, like, well, you know, is is he going off name or whatever else? He was big for oh, the Rams huge. stretch. I mean, he played well. Now, I read an article a while ago. I don't know how valid it was. Apparently, part of Odell Beckham's desire to want to continue to play is because his deal with the Rams, this may be urban legend. You read this on Facebook? Yeah, that's right. He he wanted a certain percentage to be paid in Bitcoin, and therefore he's got to make up some money. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe he should go Arena League or something like that here coming up after yeah, the season ends. Um, he was the MVP of the Super Bowl in the first he half. Was, he played really well. There's no doubt about it. Uh, college football rankings came out, and kind of a not real good news for Clemson, I guess. Not that anybody around here cares about Clemson. But um, Notre Dame continues to rise up. They're 15th now in the college football playoff poll. Did you look at the rest of the poll? Yeah, so go ahead and walk us through kind of so the top the top four right now, so. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. That's who it would be. Of course, those are the four unbeatens. Obviously, at the end of the weekend, you're going to have three unbeatens at most because Ohio State, Michigan would cannibalize one another. So then you have a couple that are sitting there waiting to see if the door opens, if they can find their way in. That would be LSU who's fifth, USC sixth, Alabama seventh, and Clemson eighth. Now, I got curious and looked at it, and again, Clemson has the fortune, I guess, of a – backloaded is probably the wrong word, but the ability to finish kind of strong here. LSU right now – the LSU is – to be ranked fifth, LSU is one and two against teams in the college football playoff rankings. Alabama is 1-2 against teams in the college football rankings. Clemson, if they were to beat South Carolina and North Carolina, no guarantee at all, but that would put them at 2-1 and one, with their one loss being to Notre Dame. Look at this. You're, you're drumming up a little debate project well, for your Clemson Tigers this here. Is what they want. I mean, that's what they want people to do, though, right? Uh, Notre Dame, if they beat USC, that strengthens that win for Clemson. I don't know that that's going to be enough, though, however, to get Clemson past now, if even if USC loses to Notre Dame, they may USC right now is three and zero against teams in the college football playoff. You think USC would? You look at USC, and that's the one you think like, well, who have they played? They're in the Pac-12, but they've beaten three teams in a rank. They beat Utah already. They beat UCLA already. They beat Oregon State already. And then if they even if they lose to Notre Dame, they're three and one. With I, to me, that still is a better resume than what LSU and Alabama have. To be honest with you. Um, so I just don't see a way that Clemson gets in. I think Clemson and Alabama end up playing in the Orange Bowl against one another. Well, it's a juicy matchup for New Year's Six. I think the issue is they won't jump Alabama, right? Well, that's what I mean. Like they're because look, Ohio. There are, that's that's exactly correct, Kevin. Because, because Ohio State, and Michigan will you have a loss there? Let's say TCU loses in the Big Twelve title game. Okay. Let's say. LSU loses to Georgia in the SEC title game. There's a loss. USC, 
either loses to Notre Dame or in the Pac-12 title game, then you would have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan winner, Alabama would be the third team. Does Clemson jump the Ohio State, Michigan loser? I think they could only because they would be a conference champion. You really need what you need, Jay. Well, you need a lot, but you need Ohio State to just blast Michigan. Which is entirely possible. And then you would obviously need TCU to lose. LSU is going to lose I mean, in the SEC title game. Yeah, but I mean, on paper, if you looked at it from like a Vegas odds, you have games where the teams that you need to lose are probably underdogs coming up. The problem is, is you need like all four of those games. I think to the thing that's that interesting is. Like, if you are in Alabama and you're not going to the SEC title game, can Alabama hold serve if their car is in neutral and and yeah. other teams are still, you know, USC, of course, USC is already ahead of them, but like, but a Clemson is still playing and going into a conference championship and playing in the conference championship, a team that is 17th in the playoff ranking. Does that give them enough momentum? I don't know that it does. And and that loss to Notre Dame, I mean, to be fair, is Clemson going to make noise if they get in the playoff? No, probably not. I, I think whoever goes in fourth, truthfully, I think TCU or Clemson, if they got in as the four, probably is a sacrificial lamb. Sure. USC, I think, could make some noise. And to be fair, probably, and what's interesting is to me, LSU or Alabama on paper, when I look at it, their name jumps out, and I think they can make some noise. But then I look at their resume, and I go, I don't know, though. I mean, they're both – LSU's 1-2 and two against teams that were good. On the USC front, uh, and this might be a little too graphic on Thanksgiving Eve, I think you'd have some Colts fans that cut off half a pinky for a Lincoln-Riley-Caleb Williams a head coach-quarterback combination. Could that be, be a possibility? Uh, Caleb Williams is only a sophomore right, eligibility-wise. I mean Lincoln-Riley is a name that – I don't know if the Cliff Kingsbury experiment will turn people away, but I think of the college coaches, is he the most intriguing? Oh, my apologies, by the way. Utah beat USC, so USC's 2-1. and one. So that does make for a curveball. My apologies. That's why Utah's 14th. Tighten up my hat here. Um, Lincoln Riley, though, and thank you to whoever texted me that. L- Lincoln Riley is... Is he the most intriguing college coach? Yeah, but he's making like $10 million a year, isn't he? I mean, didn't they... Didn't they supposedly pay off his home in Oklahoma and then, you know, he's and give him like a $50 million five year deal or some ridiculous amount? It's going to be interesting to see how NFL teams react to Harbaugh, Luke Fickle, Lincoln Riley uh, after, again, the Matt Rule experiment didn't work out. Granted, his resume, I think, is a lot different than what you're seeing from those college coaches and how many openings. So right now we've got two, Carolina and here. Uh, We'll have to see what else happens in the next month and a half. Which is a better job? Being the head football coach for $10 million a year at the University of Southern California or being the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts for, say, $8 million a year? Do you get to use Ursay's private jet 24-7 like Probably. Lincoln Riley gets to with USC? I, I would go with USC. I, honestly, I mean... Weather, recruiting competition in that part of the country you're is building, minimal. You're, you are in control of your roster. A huge market. Yes, you have full control. Yeah. But a lot of it depends on what you want. You know, do you want to compete at the highest level? You know what I want? I want on my off day to be able to walk outside to the Santa Monica Pier and watch the ocean. You don't want to admit the, the canal and I, I love Indianapolis. White River does doesn't I love scratch that itch you for know, it. I love Indianapolis, but I'll tell you what. 
the last time I was in California, I, I just we went and had dinner on the California coast. And I looked at some of the houses that are out, like extending in into the water, and I just thought, "There's a reason people live out here. There's a reason, like you know, 15 million people live in Southern California. I mean, 72 sunny and no humidity, 360 days a year." I am really looking forward to this Pacer game tonight. Pacers Timberwolves tonight at seven. Um, the Timberwolves had, I mean, certainly one of the major headline moving moves of the offseason and trading for Rudy Gobert. Jake, do you recall last year the Miles Turner, Rudy Gobert? I do. Dust now up, that you, was ejection? that last year or two years ago? Yeah. Last year in Utah, Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert. And I guess this history for these two goes back a little bit more on the international stage. I recall, I forget where it would have been, the world championships were played one year where Turner was actually on Team USA. And they're playing France. And, you know, it was one of those years. And Team USA has always kind of been looking for big guys. You know, I feel like DeAndre Jordan makes Team USA every year. And I'm kind of like, how? Uh, But, you know, there's not a lot of great American centers. And so Turner's on the team one year. And he was pretty public about his ability to protect the rim and all of that. And they play France. And Rudy Gobert just dominates him. To the point where I think Popovich... Maybe it was Brad Stevens. I forget who's the coach. Just takes Turner off the floor in the third quarter and says, screw it, we're going to play five wings <laughs> because we are getting absolutely nothing out of him. So I always think this matchup has meant something to these two. And last year in Utah, Turner probably outplayed Gobert. It was late in the game. The Pacers were up. Gobert was frustrated. And him and Turner got into this, kind of looked like two bears hugging at one point. Um, Gobert gets ejected. I think Turner got tossed, if I'm not mistaken, too. Um, And unfortunately, when the second matchup happened last season, Gobert was not healthy enough to play. So this is the first time these two have seen each other since that. And with how well Miles Turner's played, the consistency, uh, not to mention Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, like this is a nice fun, entertaining. I think you'll have some national eyes on the Pacers and Timberwolves You tonight. almost wonder which of those two between, if they've got Towns and Gobert on the floor at the same time, which one pops out on Turner? You know, if Turner's... Towns is more the perimeter guy. Yeah, that's what I mean. So he may, you know, Gobert may get away from him a little bit. Rudy Gobert is a, a pretty special and unique player. There's no doubt about that. But the Timberwolves, you know, Anthony Edwards, you don't hear much. He's not a guy that's a household name in the NBA, but man, he's going to be soon. I mean, he's a really good young player. Uh, as Michael Grady mentioned yesterday, D'Angelo Russell's playing well for them. So they've got a really good... Yeah, they've won four in a row. An exciting young team. Pacers have won five. I thought Rick Carlisle was very honest yesterday and basically like, we're off to a good start, but we can also acknowledge we've had a pretty favorable schedule. We haven't played a lot of great, great teams. We've benefited off of some teams coming off back-to-backs. And you look at the upcoming two or three weeks, you go Minnesota tonight... Uh, Brooklyn Friday, both at home, and then you travel um, out west for a seven-game Western road trip, one of the longest in franchise history. You get to like mid-December, and I think then we'll get a little bit of a clearer picture on like, all right, is this team a legit, legit playoff-type team? That, I think, is the question that we're going to get some answers to. How about coming up in the next Right in the weeks? middle of the road trip, going and taking on probably the hottest team in the league right now. How about the Sacramento Kings? Right. Seven in a row for Sacramento. 
And they did it last night with Domas Sabonis having kind of an off night. De'Aaron Fox had 32. Harrison Barnes had 26. Yeah, Fox, Western Conference Player of the Week. Yeah, Halliburton, I mean, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Again, a team with... There are so many teams in the NBA, Kevin, that just are kind of positionless. You know what I mean? They just have like five different, like six, nine long guys out there playing. And you're like, man. I mean, but... And, and more often than not, when I go to games, I get the little sheet that has the roster of the other team on it and there are so many guys that i'm like now where did that guy go and i'm like oh yeah he was at kentucky for one year and got drafted when he was 19 and now all of a sudden like look at him he's a player i mean isaiah jackson there's a reason why that's exactly right there's a reason why these scouts in the nba are are where they are because they're able to see guys that still two or three years away but then all of a sudden one day you're like whoa they're pretty good isaiah jackson questionable tonight he landed awkwardly on, I think it was his left foot late in that Magic game. He's battled some foot issues earlier in his career, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Andrew Nemhard left knee bruise. Um, I think he might miss a little bit of time. Did you guys see the new over-under on Pacers wins for the season? <laughs> I'll say it got to 33 and a half. I'll go 35. So 23 and a half is where it opened up before the season started. You guys are extremely close. Uh, we're at 34 and a half for the Pacers. <laughs> Feel pretty good about yourself then, don't you? I, I do, but you know, when you look at it and you're thinking... Are they offering you a buyout yet or whatever it's called? I should honestly Cash look that in. up. I haven't looked at that. I mean, there's no way I can, I can do that, right? No, you got to let it ride. Got to ride point. it out, yeah. Oh, that's great. The face ID still works for me, even though I'm wearing this hat. <laughs> it remembers you from yeah, my Idiot detected. Here. here we go. Well, I can cash out my Raiders Super Bowl bet for $1.95. How much did you put oh, on Oh, you know what? One? 50 Oh, boy. Well, that was one of those promos. You get five bucks okay. for every win. So how many wins that's not the, a lot of money, though. How many still? wins for the Raiders? They won three? Three four? so far, I think. I've got to look, Kev. Now that you mentioned it, last year, do you remember, Mark, the day after the Super Bowl I came in, I go, I'm just going to take like 20 bucks and put two bucks on like 10 different teams? Uh-huh. i got to look and see. I haven't looked forever. I have. I totally forget what teams I put money on. I now, thought Kevin, you looked you, the other day, and your Eagles one was your best one. That might be right. Let's see. Now, Kevin, if you opt out, does that void the uh, the payout then? Do you have to ride it out? The Raiders one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ride it out. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to get hot. They just won a game. Going to get hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Colts made a roster move yesterday. Notre Dame product Khalid Kareem signed off the Bengals practice squad. For those unfamiliar with NFL roster logistics, you sign a player off another team's practice squad, that means they have to be on your active roster for at least three weeks. Whenever I see moves like this, I'm thinking, okay, that is a position of need for Indy and or it indicates an injury situation. Um, be curious if that means Quiddy Pay is going to miss a little bit more time. I, I wondered when I saw that. defensive line help, If was that just insurance or was there a reason definitively that they needed to go out – at that position. Yeah, and I like Kareem at Notre Dame, but he is not some high-level edge pass rusher. He's more of just kind of a reliable three-down guy for you, which you do need help there. I mean, Tyquan Lewis is out for the season. I think he has one sack in two NFL seasons. Kareem, again, was not a huge sack guy at Notre okay. Dame. If the Vikings win the Super Bowl, I get 108 bucks. These were all $2 bets. Two for 108. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl, 
I take that back. The Eagles, I put $5 on. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I get $205. Wow. You got a little frisky there with the Eagles. If the Chargers win, I get 52 bucks. Bengals, I get 30 The Buffalo Bills will pay me $17. Um, the Packers would pay me 34 bucks. Packers that's a, suck! That's a six-cent uh, cash-out. Uh, the New England Patriots would pay me 135 bucks. Steelers probably not going to win. Would pay me 102. Yeah, so that's so basically I got to roll with. Well, the Seahawks, the Seahawks win. I get 72 bucks. Oh, there's no chance that's happening. Vikings and Eagles. It sounds like right. Yeah, it's my two shots. Probably not going to happen. Or Bills, Vikings, Eagles, Bills. Those are my three teams. Which means guaranteed the Super Bowl would be the Cowboys and. You know, I whatever the well the Bengals would help me. So we had a um, the Chiefs will probably yeah be. the Chiefs. There you go. An interesting Jim Mersey like of a tweet hmm. to get to. Do that after the checkdown. Chris Ballard related. Okay. Yeah, let's say we do that after the checkdown. Uh, on the program today, and by the way, good morning to you. I guess we never got to that because uh, Kevin immediately put on his turkey hat, which is a good look. If you're on the YouTube channel, you will like it. Um, it is Thanksgiving Eve, great day of the year. Drumstick Dash this time tomorrow morning. Stephen Holder joining us this morning, though, 8 o'clock. Jeremiah Johnson going to join us at 8.30, talking to Little Pacers. We have Matt Taylor at 9 a.m. morning. Check down next. It's Kevin and Query on a good-looking start to the Wednesday, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, tonight over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers and Timberwolves. That is a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, T-Wolves favored by one and a half. Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. Um, this is, I think, one of the more anticipated matchups so far this young season. Pacers coming uh, coming into the game having won five straight. Minnesota having won four straight coming into tonight. They are both trying to keep pace with Sacramento's league-leading best seven-game win streak after the Kings last night, 113-109 over the Memphis Grizzlies. Other winners in the association, Philadelphia, 115-106 over the Brooklyn Nets. It was Detroit, 110-108 over Denver. And Phoenix topping Los Angeles. 115-105. Uh, college football last night. Unfortunately, Ball State uh, squanders an 11-point lead with seven minutes to go. They gave up a 34-yard touchdown on a third and 10 with two minutes to go in the game, losing to Miami, Ohio, 18-17, to and that means they will miss out on getting that sixth bowl-eligible victory. Uh, college basketball from last night. Purdue-Fort Wayne, 74-67 winners over Eastern Michigan. It was Kansas City handing Indiana State their first loss of the year. Sycamore's now 4-1 and after a two-point loss last night. Southern Indiana, short in against St. Bonaventure, but Notre Dame now 5-0. and for the Irish, 82-66 over Bowling Gold Green. Gold paint really came off you last night. You must have taken a good shower because it's... You don't see gold in this hat? <laughs> no, cover it right up. Really? Uh, it's shocking to me. I see a lot of gold in this hat. They were actually down two with eight minutes to go in that game and then went on an 18-0 run. I was a little nervous there for a minute. I'm just curious. Where do you watch all these Notre Dame games? Oh, ACC Network. They're all on there? Uh, for the most part. 
Okay. No! <laughs> you see the announcement yesterday, Final Four to Indy in 2029? Saw that. And the women's Final Four, I don't, did we mention that? 2028, no. I think, right? Right. So that'll be at Gamebridge Field. That's 2028. So to look at the schedule here, upcoming for those big basketball events, All-Star Game 2024, NBA, um, Men's Final Four 2026, Women's Final Four 2028, and then the Men's Final Four again in 2029. Uh, how about Las Vegas in on the action? 2028 Men's Final Four in Vegas. Isn't that a popular weekend for uh, like coaches convention? What's up, coach? You good? You good? Yeah, I'm good. You good? How about you? Yeah, good, good. They go from uh, Detroit the year prior to Las Vegas. Everybody I wears which sweatsuits one. of their respective school. Coach, you good? Yeah, good, good, good. I'm surprised, quite frankly. I'll be the old-fashioned person here. I am surprised they took the Final Four in Las Vegas. With, I get it. I mean, things times have changed in terms of just kind of the perceptions and the um, understandings, the acceptance, whatever, of sports gambling. But when you're still talking about the college level, it just seemed to me that that was – I realize UNLV plays there, but I mean, it just seemed to me to be a city that they just – always kind of wanted to distance from yeah i think we're done with shying away from vegas well i yeah no question across all sports no question that the that band-aid's off right and and it probably will not be long which will happen first kevin nba or major league baseball goes to vegas that's a good question um seems inevitable doesn't it? right i feel like major league baseball could tap into like a nashville or new orleans Right, NBA. I think Seattle is probably the most popular one you hear outside of Vegas. I'll say NBA. Um, Seattle and Vegas. You expand. You slide Minnesota, New Orleans over the Eastern Conference. So you think they get an expansion into Seattle, or you think somebody moves there? I would say two expansion NBA teams. Okay, if you're a Pacer fan, that's what you're hoping for, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Jeez, let's not go there. Um, I'm just saying. I, mean, right. I don't think the Pacers would move, but but they would be a team that would be discussed, probably. Tonight, college basketball, Butler, they start in the Bahamas. I think it's Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, tonight at 7.30, Indiana's got Arkansas Little Rock at 6.30. Uh, Purdue has got West Virginia tomorrow night. Again, it's a popular week for college basketball and tournaments um, around the country. We come back. Let's get in the Colts conversation. Um Interesting, Jim Irsay, like of a tweet yesterday. What does that mean for Chris Ballard? We'll get into that next here. Kevin and Query on Thanksgiving Eve. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hi, good morning to you on a Wednesday that is really a Friday. So get set for a big-time weekend, high school football finals. You've got, obviously, the Pacers tonight. Circle of Lights downtown, World Cup, United States and England taking place. Tapped off with, of course, NFL games on Thanksgiving. Bucket game? Bucket game. So it's a huge weekend. Name that movie theme, by the way. Uh, Pac-Man the movie. No. I, that's literally what I thought. Planes, trains, and automobiles, folks. Come Is it on. really? Yeah. Gosh, it has such an old school Nintendo game sound to it. You know, which is a fabulous movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And, and I've watched 
I, you know, it's like anybody else. I, I've seen the movie a, a thousand times, right? The scene at the end where he goes back to the train station, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, which came out the same year that the Bullseye Event Group was first putting together Super Bowl <laughs> and Masters packages. Um, the scene when Steve Martin goes back and John Candy looks up at him and says, you know, I don't have a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I, Like, it literally chokes me up every single time. And I know what's coming, right? But there's just something about it. There's a, I, I was pat, going along the uh, social media thing yesterday, and I guess like there's a, it's like the anniversary edition's coming out with like 75 minutes of never before seen things. And there's a scene with John Candy eating a hot dog while smoking a cigarette at the same time, <laughs> and it's incredible. That, that pretty now, much sums it up, right? Today is not planes, trains, and automobiles to the degree it usually is. I was reading that, you know, with a little bit more of a remote work, the busiest travel day of the year won't be as busy. As it usually I is. I can see that, yeah, because people... That's a good point. People can travel really anytime right. they want, right? Nonetheless, um, travel and safe travels and happy Thanksgiving. Jim Irsay traveled into the interwebs once again to, as always, send out cryptic messages. This wasn't necessarily a video or a tweet, but rather, Kevin, you were skulking through his likes. Is that right? Uh, yeah, and I... Full transparency, someone alerted me of this. I don't... If I'm scrolling Jim Mercy's likes. I probably need to reevaluate some things. This one from Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> That'll be Thanksgiving dinner, right? Tomorrow night at the Earth's Passing household. the turkey leg, yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, nonetheless, Jim Mercy with a like on this tweet. Hey, at Jim Mercy, don't listen to all the Ballard critics. They don't have a clue. This team is close. We have our left tackle the future. Ballard's D is a beast. This year has missed expectations, but stay the course with Ballard. He'll get you low those Lombardies. You make anything of Jim Mercer throwing a like on said tweet. You know, I would have to see how often he likes a tweet, but sometimes that's just a way of saying like, hey, thanks, appreciate it. I, I, I read what you sent. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not entirely off base except for the following. And again, this is going to sound like it's some sort of like an indictment or attack on Ballard. I'm not. I'm just speaking realistically. I think Chris Ballard's good, uh, you know. However, this is year what for him, Kevin? Uh, this is year six, and they still don't know who their quarterback of the future is. They're going to have to address that, and at some point, they're going to have to address it with a quarterback theoretically, that is coming out of the draft, which means a year to get that person acclimated, more often than not. Usually it's year two. So now we're looking at minimum year eight before you're really pushing in. And at that point, you're going to have questions in terms of players that you want to have around a young quarterback, but you've already got $20 million committed to a guard, You've already got big money committed to a linebacker whose health is in question. You know, you've already got, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with the running back position. There are just a lot of question marks that that are natural question marks in building a football team. I'm not saying that, that those are held against Chris Ballard. It just creates challenge because it's like that whack-a-mole game. Like literally every time you think you've got something figured out, here comes another mole over on the right-hand side. You know, Oh, I forgot about that one. And it's just going to be a challenge because they have never addressed the quarterback situation. So, for what, one playoff win in six years? I, okay. But that's going to quickly become 
year eight or year nine? You know, I'll be honest. I don't have a great read on Chris Bauer's future in Indianapolis. Um, I think it's really awkward. Jeff Saturday's presence on staff. And again, I think Jeff Saturday has the ear of Jim Irsay much more than Chris Bauer does right now. Um, you know, but I asked Irsay two weeks ago at that press conference if you know Chris Ballard will be a part of the decisions in 2023, the head coaching decision in 2023. And Irsay was very strong in his conviction. Now, we've seen Jim Irsay make public comments and go a 180 on those very, very quickly. Um, I think in that setting, if he really had a question about Chris Ballard, he could have been like, we're at a point with our franchise right now where everyone is being evaluated. It's not just Frank Reich. You know, we have questions about everybody right now, and as we should, because we haven't won a division title in this era. We have only won one playoff game. The quarterback question is still out there, and Ursay elected not to go that route. Um, and then I think when he later followed up with Mike Chappell and Bob Kravitz, I mean, he was pretty staunch in saying, we feel like the offensive line personnel in the building is enough to be playing much better football up front. It seems like when he's had opportunities to talk about the personnel on the roster, he has backed that. And I guess a question that I have now, Jake, is with Frank Wright gone and Jeff Saturday in the building, in a way, is like maybe the biggest Chris Ballard excuse gone? And now we're really evaluating him? Correct. Because you can't just say it, it was all coaching. It was all play calling. It was all offensive issues. Now, you've made a change there. So are we evaluating the personnel a little bit more critically? Because I watched Sunday and watched that offensive performance and thought, that's same old, same old. And to me, it's more personnel driven offensively than just making a change. Did Frank Reich have some issues? Without question. But that is an aspect to the final six games, I guess eight games, you know, play two of them under Jeff Saturday that I have. But, but what did I say, Kevin, <clears throat> coming off the Philly game, if you were looking at areas, scapegoat is probably too harsh a word, but if you were looking at areas where you were where they felt they needed to make change, quarterback, they, they tried that. Offensive coordinator, they tried that. Head coach, they're trying that. At some point, I mean, aren't we kind of moving up the ladder here? Right. Isn't mm-hmm. the water rising up to the chin at this point? But again, go back to some Ursay's comments about Ballard before. You know, greatest GM hire of the 21st century. He's been a lot more of a public backer of Ballard than I felt like he ever was with Reich. I agree with that. And financially, yes, it's probably just a drop in the hat, but do you think there's any ego that Jim Mercy sits there and says, man, am I really going to fire that dude I gave a contract extension to 15 months ago? I just fired the other guy I gave an extension to 15 months ago. Well, deja vu on that, right? Remember, atta- these guys, you know, we had long conversations into the night, and you know they're attached to the hip now. But they weren't. He fired Grixon well, the year before he fired Chuck. But I'm just saying. That was after, you know, there was a lot that went into that Grigson firing, I think. But, um, you know, it's just a, it's a very awkward read on the on the situation. The thing to, to me... And the Jeff Saturday angle is... Very peripherally here, open disclaimer on that, to be transparent. But I think there's an, there is a comparison that can be made about Saturday and Ballard in this regard. 
Jeff Saturday, the difference being we know Jeff Saturday. When Jeff Saturday came into the building for the first time, you know, everybody knows him, has been around him, you know, knows who he is. We were familiar with him. Chris Ballard, we were not when he first came in the building. However, Jeff Saturday, when he came in, you know, it was a breath of fresh air. It was optimism. It was a new approach. It was fresh. It was fun. It was energetic. It was all the positives, right? And theoretically, those stay the same because we like him so much as a guy. But it's going to come down to winning football games. With Chris Ballard, Kevin, the first, and you would know better than I on this. So you tell me if you totally disagree with me on this, which would be fair. But my observation from the outside is that when Chris Ballard first, for the first three to four years, Anybody that I heard that worked within the Colts, for the most part, when I talked to it, were like, oh, guys will run through the wall for Chris Ballard. They just love him. He is first-class individual. He's a family man. He's a good Christian man. He's a great guy. He's smart. He just, but guys love him. He, he is great. I mean, he is wonderful. I don't hear bad things about him now, per se, but I don't see people contorting themselves now to talk about how great he is. And I did hear that in the beginning. And the the... The shiny new toy factor of Chris Ballard seems to have gone the way of inevitably what happens to people in the football profession, which is over time, there becomes more vulnerability about them. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? Would you agree with that assessment or disagree? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, again, I get zero inkling from people inside that building that they have issues working for Ballard or anything like that. I would, there was certainly more chatter about being under Grigson than there was being under Correct. Ballard. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know if that is in play. Again, I go back to the Jeff Saturday presence. And if Jeff Saturday at the end of the year says to Jim Mersey, hey, I'd love to do this again, but you know what? I've really thought about this person to run a football team. Don't you think Jim Mercer looks at Jeff Saturday and says, okay, I trust you more than I trust the other guy? Uh, or if Jeff Saturday says, you know, I'd love to do this again, but I'll be honest with you. I was talking to Lincoln Riley, and he said he'd like to coach the NFL, and it would be really fun to build a team for him. I, I mean, that's kind of an absurd hypothetical, but it, wouldn't that also be one that Ursa would go, you know, it's interesting? There are so many questions for this organization the rest of the season and entering the offseason that have – just tons of dominoes. And Kevin, that's tons my, of dominoes. I, I guess my critique would be this. If a guy is the general manager of your franchise that you want as a pillar of your franchise and has built it the right way in year six, there shouldn't be those questions. No, I think that's a great point. That's It's as simple as that. Especially those questions, Jake, it's such important parts of your Correct. franchise. Every important part We're of your franchise. We're not talking about, you know the fifth offensive lineman i mean we are but we're not acting like that is the most pressing or you know your special teams unit the problem is, not is the fifth, fifth offensive lineman your left tackle yeah that's <laughs> right the that's the problem God, and i look at the steelers the most matchup, important position and i i know the steelers are not good record wise tj watts played three games this year he looked pretty healthy to me last week cameron hayward alex highsmith boy if i'm matt ryan this one oof. I don't know if I'll be looking forward to Monday night football. All right, Stephen Holder coming up next here. It is a beautiful Wednesday in Indianapolis. Nice. If you are traveling today, looks to be a gorgeous day. I think tomorrow is supposed to be really nice as well. So great to see you for the Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you for tuning in to Kevin. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Inquiry, Stephen Holder next. It is a gorgeous Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Thanksgiving Eve. Got a loaded slate sports-wise coming up. The rest of this week, nationally, locally, Pacers at home tonight, Indiana and Butler in action, Purdue tomorrow night. I got to wait a little bit for the next Colts game. That will be a Monday night, the first Monday night home game since 2015 for the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts and Steelers inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. To talk more about that and the current state of the Colts, let's go to the Payless Lickers hotline. He is Stephen Holder. Stephen, let's begin here. Your favorite Thanksgiving dish is what? Oh, hmm. Uh, you, you know what? It's actually not stuffing, but dressing. You know the difference? Yeah, I am, I'm team stuffing, so alert me a little bit because I know there is some confusion, and I am one of those people on dressing and stuffing. Well, so, like, look, I'm not the cook in the house, but you know, my wife's family is from Georgia, so you can you can see where I'm going with this, right? So, yeah, so so... Dressing is like stuffing, but on like steroids. <laughs> okay, it's got it's got you know bits of meat in there. It's got it's it's really rich. It's like you could eat it like as a meal. Like, it, think of it as a casserole in a in a way. Uh, that would be my you know way of of kind of explaining it. So yeah, you have to experience it. So yeah. that's my thing. And you stop over the Holder household. It sounds I'm telling like. you, man. I, I got to go with, and I don't know if this is like a query thing or like we. I call it corn pudding. I don't know. What, I mean, like corn, cream corn, cream corn. There you go. Oh, uh, not that. I'm down with that too. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Big fan. Um, Stephen, in terms of the Colts, as Kevin was talking about, I guess there's kind of two two points here. One would be this season and then the other would be the overall state of the Colts and Mm -hmm. at some point you make the transition from one to the next are we are we getting closer and closer to the point where the Colts say okay we're we're just going to grab the wheel here and completely redirect it which it kind of looked like they did and then all of a sudden Jeff Saturday comes in and it's like no actually we're going for this year where do they stand in terms of their philosophy at this point right so so overall I think whatever moves were made and and we can quibble about whether they were good or bad moves, but whatever moves were made and and basically I think driven from Jim Ursay, most of them originated right from Jim Ursay. They were made in an effort to actually win this season. I don't think they were necessarily well conceived in every instance, but that was the intent behind them, right? So he was very much, and everybody else in the organization was very much about hey let's let's try to fix this let's, excuse me fix this let's try to win now etc didn't work obviously or hasn't worked so far um, but I agree with you I do think that there's like this even if you even if you think that they are still fighting for something this year it's really hard to just look at the state of the team and not or just ignore this like 800 pound gorilla which is where do they go from here. I find it very hard myself, you know, because as as a reporter, you know, your job is to get in there and cover the day to day, what's happening this week, right now, and 
also balance that with the the large the longer term and larger issues and i think it's getting harder to do that i i think you're on to something there um you know at what point does that come where we completely shift i mean i think that depends on the individual but i, I really don't think you can ignore that at this point because i think it's kind of daunting frankly when you look at the long term right now i don't feel great about where this team is in the long term kind of on that point again Stephen holders with us from espn.com i said to jake in the last segment when you fire your head coach in a way i think i don't know if it exposes your general manager general manager but i think it puts more focus on that person and their roster construction because basically what you're saying is the coach was an issue now you're bringing in a new coach and theoretically if the personnel is up to snuff the new coach will get more out of that and you know you can look look at these last two games and you can certainly point to stretches where the Colts have played better under Jeff Saturday Uh, but am I over like analyzing how we view these final eight games I guess now final six games based off Chris Ballard's microscope versus what we had maybe when Frank Reich was here? Well, I think it's a natural progression, right? I mean, I mean, I talk to a lot of fans, and both in person, on social media, et cetera, and the overwhelming sentiment was, oh, we got to get rid of Frank Reich. I mean, look, let's be, let's be honest. That was never going to be a, a quick fix. There, there are no quick fixes for this team, and I think that's the point. <laughs> that tells you something's wrong with the team, Right. And and that's not that's not a defense of Frank Reich. I mean, he was always getting fired, right? The results are what they are. I, I don't think it got to a point where no one was making the argument that that he was going to have some long and prosperous career here after after where the way things were going this season, right? So I don't want people to to misunderstand. But I do think that yes, I mean it it tells you all right. You can fire the coach. It didn't really change anything. You don't feel differently about this team, right? I mean, who feels completely different about the Colts today than they did two weeks ago? I don't know anybody who does, right? So, uh, and, and you certainly don't feel differently about that long-term situation that we just talked about. So that brings us back to, okay, how did they get here? And what decisions brought them here? They aren't coaching decisions that brought them here. It's, it's roster decisions. And I do agree with you. I do think this puts a spotlight on Chris Ballard. And there's no one else to really look at. Look, Jeff Saturday ain't taking any blame here because how, why, well, you know, how is he at fault? <laughs> he just got here. He doesn't even know everybody's name, man. You know, so no, this is, it's going to go back on Chris Ballard and it should. I mean, that's, that's how this is. I mean, he's going to be evaluated and he should be evaluated. Again, Stephen Holder is with us here on the Payless Slickers hotline. Um, do you think they would go back to Sam Ellinger at any point? This season, um, I, I, the only time I thought they might is if they're like officially eliminated from the playoffs, which isn't going to happen. E- even even if they lose their next couple of games, it's not going to happen for several weeks just based off the 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 math. Um, do you think we see Ellinger again this season if everyone's healthy? Well, I at least agree with that point that that if they are mathematically in in contention, then no, I, I don't see it. Um, Especially because as bad as the offense has been, or at least as bad as the offense was on Sunday, what one thing Matt Ryan has done is he has cut out the turnovers. I'll give him credit. He's gone two games without any turnovers, which is an eternity compared to what we saw 
early in the season, right? Where, I mean, he was turning it over multiple times per game, which is really what led him to be benched in the first place. You know, whether that was the right decision or not, that's, that's what drove that decision. So he's done, a, that's actually a big piece of, of the puzzle and, and a big reason why, you know, I thought he could have some success this year because I, I didn't anticipate him being a guy who turned the ball over like that, you know. Um, but they've got to do more offensively. It's not enough. But I also don't think you're going to get that kind of boost from Sam Ellinger anyway. So uh, to the question about whether we see Sam again, I, I think clearly not if they're mathematically in contention. And I think it would really boil down to maybe the last couple of games if they're out, you know, maybe um, just as an opportunity to, to, to further evaluate, maybe I could see it. But I don't think in terms of, you know, giving the team a spark or any of that, I don't, I don't think it accomplished that, you know. So I, I don't think you do it for those reasons. It would really just be a matter of further evaluation of Sam Ellinger, which is not the worst thing in the world, I suppose, at the very end of the season. So we'll see. Steven, have they permanently made the move here at left tackle? I think so. I think so, uh, for better or worse. Um, and depending on the play, it's worse. <laughs> Look, um, I understand where Jeff's going with this, Jeff Saturday. I mean, you know, he was an offensive lineman himself. I know what he probably thinks is that, you know, going in and out of the lineup is hard and, and probably counterproductive to your development. It, definitely counterproductive to development, right? So Bernard Raymond playing left tackle in the long term is probably good for him. In the short term, it is awful for the Colts because it is rough. And by the way, uh, this matchup coming up on Monday is, is going to be tough. I mean, he's got two uh, defensive ends he's going to face here, or I guess outside linebackers. Uh, I don't think T.J. Watt really um, changes size. He's probably going to get matched up with, with uh, Braden Smith. But um, – you know, he's going to have a matchup himself. What is this guy's name? Like, yeah, he's, it's he's, uh, Alex Highsmith. He's got like nine Alex sacks Highsmith. on the year. This dude, by the way, I had, to, I had to do a little research on him yesterday. I know it doesn't sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, I need my coffee. The point is, this dude has been killing people. He has three multi-sack games this year. And it's kind of come out of nowhere. I think he was a... I want to say he was a, a second-round pick a couple of years ago. I don't know a lot about him, but this guy's having a breakout year. and They got Cameron Hayward, he, too. Then they have Cameron Hayward, right? So it's not like you can slide the protection over there and help out Bernard Raymond every play. You can't. You just can't. And, so, and then you've got to consider, all right, well, do we put the tight end next to Braden Smith or do we put him on the other side and help, help our, our young left tackle? Because T.J. Watts on the other side. You know, so I, I think this is going to be this has train wreck potential in terms of pass rush for the Colts. Train I'm not wreck saying, potential. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm with you, Stephen. I am, this might be the most worried I've been about the Colts' offensive line going up against the D line. Yeah, look, I, I mean, this is not about the Steelers being good, but this is about look. The NFL is about matchups. It's all about matchups, and this is a terrible matchup. Right. The, the Steelers' strength, the one strength they do have is up front on that defensive line. And the Colts have struggled throughout this season, as we know, on the offensive line. So 
I'm just saying. And Watts only played, I think, two and a half games. So that's a reason why you won't see big sack numbers from him right. or, or, or the team in general. Uh, but he is now back and healthy. Again, Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com. Stephen, on the you know like positive storyline front, I think Paris Campbell would certainly fall into that category. Uh, do you point to any other young guys? I mean, I think what Grover Stewart is doing, I don't know if he classifies as a young guy anymore, but that dude is deserving of a Pro Bowl without question. Um, the fact that he signed an extension a few years ago and is playing, you know, even at a higher level, um, I think is just a great representative of who you would want for your organization. Anyone else you'd slot into kind of the Campbell category as, you know, young guys or guys that you were waiting on that have shown you something this season? I think one guy I'd say is Isaiah Rogers. I think, you know, they, it's been a while, I feel like, since the Colts had, um, you know, they've taken some stabs at, at cornerback. And some of those guys have panned out, others haven't. You know, I, I think about, you know, some, some recent graphics over the years. But this one, you know, he's a six round pick. I, I think they were stubborn to play him more. <laughs> and now that he is, I mean, he's he's really been pretty much lights out. I really like what he's done. And I think he's confident and he's a playmaker. We haven't seen the huge play from him yet, I, but I think there's, there's the potential for that, excuse me, to come later, you know, at some point here where he's going to jump some route and he's going to take one to the house. You know, I think he's got that kind of potential. So that's fun to watch. And, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see what he, what he does the rest of the year. I think that's, that's what you're looking for though. That's where this team is at where they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So what you should be doing if you are a young player on this team is you should be doing everything in your power to make sure that you are in their future plans. The other guy I would say, and he's not young per, per se, but uh, Bobby Okereke this year, I have, I've changed my, my view of Bobby Okereke this year. And I think that he has, he has gone from a guy who, was talked about as, as as having a lot of potential, and I kept hearing about it, and and it was just like, all right, he's good, but I I never see him take the next step. I think he took the next step this year, and so I, I love to see that and, in a contract I mean, year too. Yeah, exactly. So the, I think he's actually given them something to to think about in terms of how they approach his contract. Whereas before, I thought you know I could take it or leave it. I thought he was a little more replaceable. Maybe he isn't. You know, we'll see. I think they'll have a decision to make there. Does the play, and I realize the contract becomes an issue, but does the kind of the combo play, we've talked about this before, of Zaire Franklin and Bobby Okereke, I, I hate to say this about an elite-level talent, but, okay, does it lessen Does it lessen the blow of not having Shaquille Leonard if that's, in fact, what is going to be a long-term thing? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I do think that, you do. You still lose something with Leonard out there just because of the 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 sort of him being the the sort of heart and soul of the team, and also his his turnover potential. Right? You you can't replace that, and they haven't. They haven't turned the ball over hardly at all this year, and it's been glaring. Okay, glaring. Even though I really like the way the defense has played, that is, I think, separated them from being really a, an elite defense. They haven't taken it away. But that being said, I, I mean for for what my expectations were without, you know, Shaquille Leonard, uh, to what they've gotten from Okereke and and Zaire Franklin, I I think it's been really good. I I did not anticipate this kind of leap from Zaire Franklin. Uh, Kudos to him, by the way, because 
you know, the football is, is often about opportunities and, you know, a guy like that, we see him in, in one light as a, a special teams guy who excels on special teams and, and has leadership capacity and all that. But there definitely was a distinction made between him and a guy who could play, you know, 70 snaps on defense. And this year he has demonstrated that he can. So, you know, he's under contract. We'll see what happens in the long term. But, um, you know, whatever his, his future is, uh, he has proven that he can play linebacker at a very high level and that he's not just a special teams guy. So he took advantage of his opportunity and uh, good on him. Steven, when I was a kid, Steven Holder's our guest, by the way, on the Payless Sickers Hotline. He's with ESPN.com. When I was a kid, every so often there'd be a division where every team was hovering around 500 and the nickname would become, it's the division nobody wants. With this Colts team this year, is tight end the position nobody wants? It's a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, I would say that. You know, Mo Ali Cox made a play the other day um, uh, against the Eagles where he made a guy miss and, and he got to the first down marker, got a few extra yards after the catch. And I think I remember saying to Zach Keeper, who was sitting nearby, you know, it's one of the first times I've seen him get some yards after the catch, <laughs> you know, which was disappointing. Um, you know, Tyler, Tyler Granson has done it a little more. Uh, but, yeah, the, the position's been just a little bit middling, I think. I would say I, I don't think bad is necessarily the word, but just you know, just kind of meh. And I think you know we saw we saw some flashes early on. You know, we, we know that they had a couple of rookies that we liked in training camp, and we had to see how they developed. But you know, I just think overall, maybe it's a product of just the passing game being the way it is too. You know, to, in in their defense, but I, I don't think the position has been quite as dynamic. As, as I had hoped. So, you know, we'll see. I, I do think they have to rethink that position um, in the long term. I, I thought that they could have benefited from a veteran signing there, uh, but their veteran signing, in their estimation, was Molly Cox. And, and maybe he deserved the opportunity to be the guy. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the long term. But, I, again, I don't know. Overall, I thought a little underwhelming for sure, yes. Stephen, we'll end with this. Um, we haven't talked about it yet today, but it was probably the most popular topic on Colts Twitter yesterday, and that would be Nick Sirianni's uh, fiery emotion at the end of that game on Sunday. I look at it like this. That was Nick Sirianni being Nick Sirianni, a fiery individual. It was his love for Frank Reich and defense of a man that, frankly, he wouldn't have the Eagles head coaching job had it not been for Frank Reich. Um, and then I also look at it and think it was a bit of a middle finger to Jim Irsay, um, in that you let Jeff Saturday do something that Frank Reich didn't want to do, and, and that would be you know the benching of the quarterback. And I, I, there's probably a little bit more of like the awkwardness of you wanted to hire Jeff Saturday more than you wanted to fire Frank Reich, and I, I just don't think Sirianni loved that either. Um, what did you make of Sirianni's emotions at the end of that game? I think you hit on something important there. And I know people who love Jeff Saturday will, will take this the wrong way, but I don't care. That's fine. I do think that is for people who love Frank Reich. Okay. For people who, who like Nick Sirianni in particular, people who, who were, who were, who will defend Frank Reich. Right. Uh, the next, excuse me, the, the Jeff Saturday hire 
really is salt in the wound. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's not that Frank Wright got fired per se. I think you are right when you say it, it's as much about Jeff Saturday as it is Frank Reich being fired in and of itself. Because I think coaches can handle the fact that they get fired. Uh, I, I really do think, though, if you're Nick Sirianni, you are correct, by the way. I don't think there's any way he's the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles without Frank Reich. He went to bat for him with ownership, Jeffrey Lurie, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni, I think, had a minimal chance of getting that job without Frank Reich, who had a lot of credibility with that organization. So, I mean, listen, I, I get it, right? I mean, he owes this man a lot. And he was the first call he, he made after he got the Colts job. He's like, I want you to come to Indy with me, you know? So he was the guy who followed up on his promises to this kid, you know, who, who he worked with years ago. And now he's, you know, a thriving head coach in the NFL. So he owes him a lot. I, I get it. It's, um, it's emotional. But I agree. I think, I do think, you know, that there was a lot of sensitivity about, all right, you, you fired my friend, but then you hired this guy. And it's not a knock on Jeff Saturday himself. It's more on what Jeff Saturday represents, which is, you know, someone who maybe in Nick Sirianni's estimation, you know, didn't deserve it, right? I don't know. I'm not putting words in the man's mouth, but I, I if I had to guess, I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I would I think, Jeff, Stephen. I think it'll be, I think it's an interesting interesting move, but, but I get it. I, I also get it. Do you think it could be as simple as this? And that is simply that Nick Sirianni's been in that building, he's been in those rooms, he's been in those meetings, and he knows the time that has been put in by everybody within that organization. And so therefore, it just is, I guess to Kevin's point, kind of a, hey, listen, man, so like these guys are putting in 18-hour days, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, 360 days a year, and you're just going to bring in some dude off a TV set because he snapped to Peyton Manning 15 years ago? That's an insult to me. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, Not listen, to me. I'm saying I mean, to people, them. Yeah, pe- people got to really understand, I mean, you know, what it what it takes, you know, to do the job that these people do. Now, whether, they're, whether this is necessary or not, I don't know. But I remember talking to Pep Hamilton about this before when he was the offense coordinator here. That man would sleep on the couch in his office, like on a semi-regular basis, right? That's a that's a really terrible way of life, okay? But that's what that's what they did. You pour your entire life into it. So I mean, you got to understand, man. I don't. I, listen, everybody works hard on their job, but I also admit that I can't relate to that. You know what I mean? That's a whole different level. I sleep so, at work from seven to ten a.m. every day. Say, yeah, <laughs> it's been very apparent this week taking. too. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving naps from 7 to 10, Monday through Friday here from Jake Query. Stephen, have a great Thanksgiving, man. Um, I know it's spent, you know, typically working a good amount. So um, appreciate you always coming on with us every Wednesday and uh, enjoy the dressing. All right. You got it. You should put that on a, on a billboard, uh, Thanksgiving naps. That'll, that'll really show. Yes. That's right. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you, Stephen. All right, guys. Actually, what Holden. we do is we facilitate people's Thanksgiving Day naps. Right? I warned him yesterday. <laughs> like, hopefully, we'll, we'll not talk about the Yannick Ngakwe slogan that Jake's trying to get to. Why him. would you even bring it up, Mark? Because I was, trying to, I was trying to save Stephen. I'm, I'm glad I'm we gonna, made it no, through. No, I'm going to see Stephen tonight, and I'm going to say to no. him, 
you need Ngakwe, and he can use that. Well, he you, can use that on ESPN. I mean, he's already uh, ascended to the top of his profession in terms of writing on a national platform. But when I when he uses you need Ngakwe, and then see now all of a sudden people are going to be reading that in Boise and Flagstaff and and you know West Palm, and they're going to say to themselves, "See, Indianapolis, those people are creative. They're they're fun. They're exciting. They're creative. I'd like to get into the mind of those people." You want to bring fine. it up to I'm him fine with that. at the game tonight? That's fine. I'm yeah. I'm off the clock at that. Point. You need Ngakwe. Yeah. It's a it's a it really does work on the uh, tight end front. The Colts did work out some tight ends earlier in the week. Uh, I think a, part- a guy's wearing a turkey hat, telling me that my idea is not smart enough. Part of that, it's <laughs> uh, a next level shot of the ego. <laughs> Appearance, you you should not judge a book by its cover. <laughs> okay, it's a beautiful hat. I like that you still have the headphones on though. Oh, and every time I tighten the string, I feel like I'm <laughs> cutting off a little bit of circulation. Uh, tight ends earlier in the week, they worked out. I think part to do, to your point, Jake, that is a group that has not provided needed consistency this season. Also, I'm curious about Jelani Woods' shoulder injury. We'll see if we get an update on that a little bit later from Jeff Saturday. We're going to get into the Pacers conversation coming up in a few minutes. Jeremiah Johnson with Pacers and Timberwolves tonight. Jake and Stephen Holder, it sounds like, will be in the building for, I think, one of the more anticipated regular season games not only of the year but in quite some time so we'll chat with jj about that uh, before let's do a morning checkdown the morning checkdown brought to you by ball state basketball get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan we'll start with that in the association tonight as kevin had mentioned it's the pacers the timberwolves minnesota with a four-game win streak coming in Indiana has won five straight, but the hottest team in the NBA after last night continues to be, believe it or not, the Sacramento Kings. Break up the Kings, who last night won their seventh straight game, doing so 113-109 over the Memphis Grizzlies. De'Aaron Fox with 32. Philly, a win last night over Brooklyn, despite Joel Embiid missing the first of two games with a foot sprain. 115-106. It was Detroit over Denver, 110-108, and Phoenix, a 10-point win over the Lakers. On the football front, the college football rankings heading into the final week of the regular season out. Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4. Lurking after them to try and ruin the party. That would be LSU, USC, Alabama, Clemson. That's 5, 6, 7, and 8. Notre Dame is at 15th. Obviously, all eyes on Ohio State, Michigan this Saturday at noon. How much... Or how far, I guess, will the loser of that one drop in the rankings? And then what does that mean? LSU has still got the SEC title game. USC is still has Notre Dame in the Pac-12 title game. Alabama is just sitting there without anything uh, really left to improve the resume. Clemson is still in the mix. So uh, a lot to look for here at the end of November. Uh, Ball State loses last night, though, in Maction to Miami of Ohio, 18-17. Jake, they, uh, they kind of blew that in the fourth quarter, and that means no bowl eligibility. Yeah, listen, one that certainly got away, no question, for Ball State. And uh, disappointment to a season that showed some promise, actually, in the beginning of the year when they, um, after the first couple of games, kind of got hot there, won a couple in a row, especially that big win over Northern Illinois. So disappointing end for the Cardinals. Does feel like, by the way, in college football, uh, everybody is vying for the right to get beat by Georgia or Ohio State in a, play, in a semifinal. Those two are head and shoulders above everybody. Uh, you taking Ohio State eight and a half points on Saturday? Ohio State is going to win the national championship, so yes. You, you would take the spread? Yes. They've had a, a couple of games in the fourth quarter. Be interesting. I, the Penn Ohio State, State game, kind of plays to the level of, of their competition. But the Notre um, Dame game. Maryland hung around for a while last week. Seven and a half now. 
on that one. Uh, college basketball last night, all I cared was Notre Dame finished uh, great against Bowling Green. <laughs> 18 nothing run. And you watched the game? Uh, I did. Did uh, you wear your little hat while you watched really it? Really, I watched the last 10 minutes. It's, it's starting to get hot. I feel like, is this my workout for the day, wearing this hat? Just wearing it? I think it's created a little bit of a sauna. I don't feel like my brain is truly firing this morning. Getting heat stroke or something? I, I, it's a little bit of... You're but basting I'm like through. you're in the oven. Exactly. I'm doing what the birds will be doing yeah. tomorrow. Oh, that's nice. That's that's good. Okay. Uh, college basketball, by the way, the schedule for today. Indiana taking on the ghost of tournaments past for Purdue Little Rock. That game at 630. Oh, the Hoosiers boy, rank 11th in the country. Tennessee and Butler also, speaking of games of tournaments past, um, didn't they play, was it the NCAA tournament like 10 years ago when yeah, Butler and Tennessee played? was a great played? game. was yeah. a great game. Mm-hmm. One of the Graves went nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee coming in 22nd ranked at 2-1. and one, Butler at 3-1. and one. That game at 730. The battle for Atlantis at Paradise Island. Purdue is in Portland. That sounds sexy. (laughs) Sounds like a reality show. That's a show on MTV, isn't it? Paradise Island? I think my uh, my, my wife watched the final episode of that last night, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Jesse Palmer, I think, was hosting hosting (laughs) Of course he was. Of course he was. Uh, Quickly, a rundown for Thanksgiving. Slate tomorrow. Bills at Lions. Giants at Cowboys. Patriots at Vikings. You've got the Bills favored by nearly 10. Cowboys, almost a double-digit favorite. Uh, Vikings favored by three over the Patriots. And just a little logistical note, Cowboys the next Colts opponent after the Pittsburgh game. So the Cowboys are going to have 10 days off after this one. They will host Indy on Sunday night football. That game will not be flexed. Could have been flexed, no announcement yesterday. So Colts and Cowboys Sunday night football before Indy has their bye week. All right, let's talk Patriots. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Coming up next, Jeremiah Johnson. Jake, you gotta think Jeremiah Johnson goes a little turkey suit tonight, right? Excuse me? Oh, like a turkey-themed suit tonight. Well, I mean, he's dressed as a cardinal in his lifetime. I think at one time he might have been a tiger. Yeah, Didn't even think about that. He's got some circus background. Certainly we know that he's able to pop some buttons on his jacket. So, yeah. Maybe just just feathers off the the back. He could wear this hat if he wants. Should I give him this hat for tonight? Do you think they would allow him to wear that hat for one stand-up? I would hope. If How much four, of your sweat is in there, though? Okay. We can wash it between now and tonight. D- tip time is not till 7. JJ comes on air at what, 6.30? JJ, what what do we have in the closet for tonight? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm actually more concerned about my uh, wardrobe for the seven-game road trip. I've never had to pack for seven different games on one trip. And so I'm in the middle of figuring out what I'm going to wear tonight, but also what I need to get cleaned for next week. So... I don't have necessarily any turkey-themed suits, but usually on a night like this, there will be some shades of brown and, and maybe a little uh, you know, yellow and orange, right? Because that's sort of Thanksgiving theme. But no no turkey heads, no costumes. Ooh. Closest thing to a hat I've ever worn on the air was uh, CJ Miles once was wearing a good luck uh, headband, and I wore a headband for one of my hits to... Uh, discuss the superstition but i, I don't know that it, i i might be a letdown tonight guys i'm sorry you don't right. see a lot of headbands anymore did that go out of vogue no you don't yeah 
That Oops. is a good point. I yeah. was just I'm still worried about the other night when Neesmith fell, JJ. I was I got nervous for you there. I thought, is he gonna help him up? Does he clean up the water? What it, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, you it's one of those situations you cannot plan for and the, the initial reaction that he had, the look on his face was such that you know, he's probably one of the players on the team that I know the least, so I wasn't quite sure <laughs> He looked pissed. What, how <laughs> yeah, how to react, and he was mad, and I was like, are we going to have to cut this interview short because we've got an injury, but then all of a sudden, quickly, it changed, and he was okay, and you know, he kind of got back to it, and then the only matter uh, after the interview was making sure the floor was clean, so there was no warping issues there, so uh, yeah, it was a little, uh, it was an unusual walk-off interview, but my son was really pleased because the interview went viral on House of Highlights. So he thought mm. his dad was a really big deal because he was on House of Highlights. Look at that. Cool <laughs> dad, Jeremiah Johnson, joining us on a Wednesday here. That's big. Yeah. You know what else would go viral is if you wear this hat tonight. JJ, I'm going to I'm gonna drop this hat off over Game Bridge. Well, I'll put it in the lobby. By the way, it was, it was good seeing you last night. What were you? I was, uh, for those who don't know, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, season of giving dinner. I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but Pacers have done this Thanksgiving dinner now for 25 years, and Tyrese Halliburton was the, um, I guess, the main representative for the team with a lot of teammates there last night. I was in charge of uh, fruit and dressing. What, what, what was way, your duty? I, I emailed to do that, and they never got back to me. Should I take that personally? Really? Yeah. I got, I got an email. I, I can't imagine that to be accurate, Jake. But, I, I'm being uh, totally serious. I sent a thing saying, like, they emailed us saying, would you like to do this? And so I emailed and said, yes, I would like to do it. And I never heard back. Well, we'll make sure in the 26th season of giving yes. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, dinner that Jake Query has a prime location. I was actually with the gravy. So oh, cool. uh, nice. we kind of shared the mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, Rick Carlisle was a couple next to me with with the turkey. Um, you know, sometimes you can get on the cranberry sauce or the sweet potatoes, and it's not as not as big of a hit. You don't have to refill your plate as much. But uh, the mashed potatoes and gravy, I feel like it's kind of second to turkey in terms of everybody. Everybody wants the mashed potatoes and gravy. I was next to T.J. McConnell, O'Shea Brissett, and then the Halliburton family was in my. Um, line, I guess, if you will. They just seem like great people. And it strikes me of like, I remember when he was traded here and you read about his background from Wisconsin and the Iowa State days, and it's so important. I just think he's wired the right way, JJ, for wanting to be here long-term, being the centerpiece, um, being the leader, being the catalyst, playing the position that he does and how he plays it, I think helps all of that. Parents seem like great people. Uh I think Pacers fans should be beyond happy that Tyrese Halpern is quarterbacking this. Yeah, and if you think about you know growing up in Wisconsin and the short drive that it is for his family to be able to come down and be at the games, and they're sitting on the front row, one or two family members at almost every single home game. And then I went to uh, a basketball camp that he put on at, at Riverside uh, before the season started, and his mom and family members were there. And, you know, the other story that I think is really cool that maybe we'll try to tell at some point if we can figure out a good way to do it is I think his dad, maybe not still, but at least up until recently, he was a high school basketball referee. And so that, I mean, I think you've got to be wired different, not differently, but the right way to be able to, to do that, be a community type of person. And I'm sure so many times as a youngster, he went to the games and, 
he, you know, watched his dad referee basketball games, and that's that's kind of part of your upbringing, and that I think goes a long way to who he is right now. JJ, this matchup tonight, Jeremiah Johnson is our guest from Bally Sports Indiana. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. This matchup tonight with Minnesota is intriguing because of the Timberwolves' unique size and flexibility with Carl Anthony Towns, who can kind of move around different areas offensively, and then Rudy Gobert. I mean, those are two big guys. Does Indiana have to kind of alter their lineup or the way Rick Carlisle, what he puts out on the floor, based on countering what Minnesota has? I don't think so, because with Miles Turner and Jalen Smith in your starting lineup, you're you're already bigger than some teams, and I think you did get almost a little bit of a dress rehearsal in those two games against the Orlando Magic. It's a different level when you're playing Gobert, Towns, and Edwards than necessarily Bamba and Bobo, but you have similar height. Actually, Orlando probably had even more height, and I think the Pacers will probably have some of the same players available. We'll see about Isaiah Jackson he missed practice yesterday, tweaked uh, an ankle, I believe, towards the end of the game on Monday. So th- it's not like you're going to just put Goga in the lineup because you can. You need to counter that size. I think the, the question is the wing, and Aaron Neesmith being available is really big for something like this because he does give you that size at the three position to be able to, if, Aaron, if uh, Andrew Nemhart's not available, to be able to guard some of those wings. So I don't know that you necessarily make any adjustments, but the injuries could force you to go deeper in your bench. And, you, you know, to your original point, maybe it is a James Johnson kind of night. He's provided such a valuable contribution to this team just in terms of being a locker room leader and a team chemistry guy. But there have been a couple of situations this year where it was a James Johnson night. We saw one in Brooklyn where he played really well. I think both the Brooklyn games. And this could be one of those nights where you look at him and you tell him before the game, You've probably played against uh, Rudy Gobert a number of times in Carl Anthony Towns. You have that experience, that size. We may need you. And then fouls also could play in, could play into this one as well. We got comedian Michael in the YouTube chat. I'm sure folks attending were happy that Kevin wasn't next to Benedict Mather and no one would have gotten any food. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I saw Benedict. I Just a casual wave. Nothing more than that. Come on, Michael. Oh, you didn't get a selfie or anything? No, I mean, no, no. I just, you know, you got to be professional in that in that mm-hmm. situation, Jeremiah. You've, you've certainly been there before. Um, <laughs> now, tonight, uh, I, I think I think we get the popcorn ready for Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner. Like, just based off... You know, probably the two best rim protectors in the league. They have had some public comments about each other before. This stems from, I think, internationally, the United States and France, you know, almost, what, three or four years ago now when Gobert got the best of Turner. And then last year, I mean, Turner outplayed Rudy Gobert in Utah, and we saw, I would call it a dust-up. And did they both get ejected from that game last year? I was trying to think. Um, it's hard for me to remember details of some of the road games when we weren't actually there. But, you know, you, that one lives on because of Turner's reaction. I think it's one of those gifts that some of the He was pissed, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. Was That's twice with that happy, word right? so far in this interview. Yeah, but he was – like, that was a Turner that he had a look in his eye that, honestly, it was probably re- reminiscent of a Metal World Peace look in his eye. Exactly, and so uh, that's a good point. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup, and Miles Turner probably goes into this Rudy Gobert matchup with as much confidence as maybe he has had at any point in his career. He's not someone that is lacking confidence, but the consistent production we've seen from Miles Turner over the last couple of weeks in a clearly defined role, and it's a role that he seems to be embracing 
on both ends of the floor. I, I am looking forward to the matchup, and, I, and you're right. I, there's nothing wrong with just a little bit of bad blood to make a game have a little extra juice, a little extra intensity, and so I will have my eyes focused on the center matchup tonight. How about this? They could do like a little two-man match tonight. We could have Chris Denary and Miles Turner against Michael Grady and Rudy Gobert. I think you got to go. A little little tag team. Daenery. Playing two on two? Yeah. Daenery has, like, suffered concussions in the human bowling thing. And and Grady is worried about, like, his suit being up to Milan standards. (laughs) So, like, advantage Pacers on that one. I mean, that's not even fair, right? Um, yeah, Denary has taken one for the team before. Correct. He has, yeah. Uh, yeah. JJ, what what player, when you look at so far where the Pacers are, which I think all of us would say, you know, certainly have exceeded expectation to this point, what player has most surprised you just in the fact that if you were to go back two months to, ago to now, you would say, I had no idea we were going to be talking about this guy or getting the contributions they're getting from him that they're getting. That one guy would be who? Probably Andrew Nemhart, because I wouldn't have been surprised in training camp if there was, was a random Fort Wayne Mad Ants game that he got some extra minutes because he. I thought of him as the third point guard. I still thought that T.J. McConnell would get a mo- the majority of the backup point guard minutes, and I didn't quite envision playing multiple true point guards at the same time. And so what we've seen is all three of the point guards have played a significant amount, probably T.J. McConnell the least amount. But the fact that Andrew Nemhard has started, what, five to six games, he's injured right now. I think it's just a sore knee, so hopefully it's not going to keep him out a long time. But what he's already done as a second-round draft pick, as someone who you thought of as, I mean, when the Pacers drafted him, I thought this could be a really good backup point guard down the road. And to be a starter in his first two months and to be so calm. And he was a guy at the, I mean, I'll still go back to this. The end of the Miami Heat game, I think it was one of the, either the first game he started or the first kind of big moment for him. He's on the floor to guard Tyler Hero, who was their only offensive option, it seemed like, on that night. And and shut him down and, and made the play. And so that's something that I did not expect. He would definitely be the biggest surprise but I won't be surprised by anything I see moving forward because now that I've watched him in game situations, it makes sense because no moment is too big for him. He has that college experience, and he just he just has a good feel for the game. And then I even see last night his brother starring for Creighton in, in the Maui Classic, the Maui Invitational. Yeah, so you can understand why he has that – you know, that moxie, I guess, is the best way to put it, to, to be able to perform. But I didn't expect it when I was watching them practice in late September. It's kind of a funny moment last night. Again, Jeremiah Johnson from Valley Sports with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Uh, Tyrese Halberton's dad came over to T.J. McConnell last night and was just hyping him up about his performance on, on Monday. Um, and you could almost feel like the here's the dad of the starting point guard, and he looks at what T.J. McConnell does with that second unit, and he he might be the biggest fan of how T.J. McConnell handles that unit. And it was something we talked a little bit about yesterday, J.J., of we forget amongst all the issues last season, I mean, T.J. McConnell missed 55 games, and you didn't have an Andrew Nemhard on your roster. You you didn't have with Brogdon out as well. I mean, you were scrambling for so much of last season at the point guard spot. It's why you went out and got Lance. So I, I just think having McConnell back, 
Obviously, Buddy Heal, the Miles Turner fall into this category. Your vets have bought into a very public rebuild, and I don't think that's universal around the NBA. Yeah, they bought into it, but they also weren't satisfied with it necessarily going to to plan exactly like some rebuilds go. They wanted to go out and teach this team how to win basketball games, and I think that's a very important quality. Whenever you interview the youngsters, they bring up what the veterans have done, and they get along so well together. Sometimes when you've got guys that are, I mean, let's face it, Benedict Matherin's 20 years old. He's not going to the bars on the road. Uh, T.J. McConnell's got a kid. Uh, you know, you, you've got a wide disparity there between some of these players, but they all seem to get along like they're in the same class. It's kind of like this high school football team where there's a good senior class that, you know, has been there and done that, but there's some talented sophomores and they figure out a way to all get along well together. That's only a two year difference, but it's kind of sometimes two years is a lot in high school, right? So I think that's a good point. I think that everyone's enjoying what TJ McConnell is bringing to the table. And uh, it, you can't predict team chemistry, but I do think it's important as you're building a team to have different kind of uh, personalities. And this team does have that. You can't have everybody be the same. So you've got, you know, Buddy Hill's the guy that can be really loud in a huddle and he can get after somebody. And James Johnson is really serving a role that I mentioned earlier. And then you've got some quiet youngsters as well, but it all seems to fit like a like a perfect puzzle right now, and it's been just fun to watch. And we'll see what happens now. The next couple of weeks are going to be really uh, – they'll, they'll tell a lot about where this season will go because the schedule is going to pick up quite a bit. Jeremiah, in terms of bringing it to the table, Thanksgiving dinner, the Pacer player that would bring the most personality to the Thanksgiving dinner and the Ooh. Pacer player that would be the most quiet and just very quietly be in the corner. Uh, the jQuery, you need to get this uh, – question sponsored the jquery put you on the spot question of the morning right you know we it would be sponsored by uh, one of those tied uh detergent pens when you've got a spot you it just blots it right out the same thing here right i'll put you on the spot you just, you've got an answer take it right out all right well i was fortunate enough to go to a, a team dinner on the road last week so i did get to see a little uh, personality of the room, and I would I would say that James Johnson was probably um, the loudest, the most boisterous of the group, and so he's someone that has earned the right to be that kind of personality. He also has the stories to share, so I think he would be someone that you'd really want to sit next to at the Thanksgiving dinner because think of all the battles he's been on. I think this is what the tenth NBA team, so he's played with almost anyone you could ask for in the NBA. So I would say most personality probably there. And right now, I still say Terry Taylor, but I think he's coming out of it just a little bit. He was so quiet last year when he burst onto the scene. And, and credit Terry Taylor. This is just a little note to make about Terry Taylor. Today, he'll dress in his sixth straight day of playing basketball games. So he's, he's living the dream. If he would have played in that game against the Rockets last Friday, he'd have a chance to play in back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, by playing two games with the Mad Ants and then uh, four games with the Pacers, but he's still pretty quiet. Um, I've talked to him before, you know, off the court, and and he sometimes you have to really listen to pay attention because his actual voice is is pretty quiet. So that I don't know that he would be in the corner, but I guess that would fit the answer to your question. You know, for comedy, T.J. McConnell was telling people last night that he worked in the accounting department for the Pacers, and they're like, "Oh, are you a player?" He's like, "No, I've been in the accounting department for four or five years now." Yeah, I mean, he looks like he yeah. could be teaching me algebra. Yes, <laughs> seriously. 
I know. Well, you've heard that story when, when Tyrese Halliburton's first day in Indiana, TJ had a hoodie on and he, a hat pulled down and he just kind of shook his hand and, and Tyrese didn't even really acknowledge him. And, and TJ said, I'm not one of the ball boys. I'm TJ McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Yeah. JJ, if you want the hat, just text me. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure. I will. I will take the hat. I don't know that I can fit it in on the broadcast, but I'll do my best. All right. That's all I ask. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Okay. All right. Back at you guys. Jeremiah Johnson right there on the Payless Stickers hotline. He wanted nothing to do with that hat. We'll see. He might text me. Maybe he just doesn't want to make a public display. He'd you know, it, it's the, the debut tonight at it's 630. It's the feathers on the top of the hat that make it. I mean, it, as right. you, it's, I can feel them kind of moving <laughs> they, in the wind. They, they do kind of, you know, my buddy Scott McConnell has a, a, a snow hat. What do you call it? A toboggan, a snow hat? I just call it a winter hat. Yeah, I, I'd call it a winter hat, but... But with the with the ball on top, McCon- how awesome is this? Scott, not TJ, but Scott McConnell, my buddy, has a winter hat with a snowball. His dad, in 1980, was traveling to upstate New York in might have been even in the fall of 79, and bought for Scott a... Lake Placid Winter Olympics hat Ooh. from 1980. He still has That's it. That's pretty it's, good. Oh, it's beautiful. But it's got the big ball on top. The, the, the hat that you have has like, uh-huh. s- what? Like five seven. balls on your. I think it's there. seven. Beautiful feathers. <laughs> beautiful. I mean, uh, it is kind of a cool hat. Admittedly. John Herrick just texts me and goes, Hey, Kevin, if you win as Kevin Bacon for Halloween, but you're turkey today, does that make you turkey bacon? No. It's, it's not bad. Is there a worse food out there than turkey bacon? Yeah, you got to go for the real deal, Man, right? What? No, it's a terrible, absolutely terrible. Matt Taylor joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nine o'clock hour. It's actually our final hour of the week. Again, it is a beautiful Wednesday morning in Indianapolis. Sounds like uh, temperatures will be close to about 60 today and even tomorrow for Thanksgiving. So uh, awesome time to be traveling. Safe travels out there. Thank you everybody for listening to Kevin and Corey and enjoy time with family and friends this weekend. Our next guest is voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. You usually hear him Fridays with us at nine o'clock. He's bumped Bumped it up for us with the Monday night game this week and the shortened week for our show. Maytay, let's start here. And I know it's a bit controversial, but how overrated is Turkey? Uh, so, so overrated for me. Uh, I've really never really enjoyed Turkey. In fact, I don't even eat it outside of one day a year. You know, I get it one, one three sixty fifth, if you will. Um, and so even, even that, I sort of eat it because that's what you're supposed to do on that day. So it's funny because... Um, you know, tomorrow we'll get together with my wife's side of the family for a few hours in the afternoon after I'm done with work for a little bit. And then Friday, same thing. I'll get together with my family for a little bit uh, in the evening on Friday. And we don't even do turkey. We'll do like a, like mm-hmm. a steak or a, you know, like a little chicken. But we, we've bypassed turkey altogether because every one of my family sort of agrees that turkey is not really uh, 
in our top five in terms of most enjoyed meats, if you yeah, will. Not so. in the upper quartile uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> of yeah, what you're telling me. Rare air. Yeah, interesting. Wow, that's a that's quite the we have not gone there yet, but I respect that move by the uh Taylor Bunch. What about ham? Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't ham be a suitable replacement? Oh, gosh, ham. Ham's okay. I mean I you know, ham and turkey I could take it or leave it. You know, like I'm never I'm never throughout the course of the year saying I am craving ham. Gotta have me some ham. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I don't personally like ham. I just know that, you know, that is one that seemingly people, if they're not going to go with turkey, they go the ham route. But are you like a, so what is it like prime rib at your house for Thanksgiving? <laughs> uh, well, my brother is, my brother during, during the pandemic, he went all in on becoming like this master griller. Uh, he really learned every trick trick of the trade on the grill because he had nothing to do. We were all staying at home, and so he was making a, a bunch of meals at home. And so he really learned how to you know trick himself out on the what do they call those things the uh, the flap top um, you know the, those blackstone grills. Yeah, uh-huh. And so he has really become just master chef, and we we kind of just rely on him. So whatever he's making, we're eating, especially when we get together around the holidays. So I think this year he's making like this hibachi. Ooh. Chicken and steak set up on on Thanksgiving or or our Thanksgiving on Friday night. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. So yeah, we we get together in the spirit of Thanksgiving and we do everything we're supposed to do for the holiday. We just don't eat turkey anymore. Fair enough. Um, Matt Taylor, by the way, who's the voice of the Colts, is on the Payless Liquors hotline. Matt, coming off of the disappointment, it's not just the loss to Philadelphia, but probably the fashion and the manner, a game that felt in control for the Colts. The disappointment of that, do you think that, I hate to say a longer week because it's only an extra day, but do you feel like a team kind of needs time to reset from that, or would it be better to get right back into it and just kind of immediately put it behind you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, psychologically, I mean, you see it both ways. Um you know, from 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 my standpoint, that's that one was tough. It was really really tough. And if you go back to the last two home games, and I know you guys have talked about this, it's been deja vu. Early Sunday was the last time the Colts played at home because the Commanders and Eagles game basically the the same bad dream. You know, you're up ten points going into the fourth quarter, uh, unable to to close it out. You give up touchdowns in the last couple of drives. You give up the go ahead score. In the, in the final 90 seconds, and you lose both games by identical scores of 17 to 16. So, yeah, maybe maybe it is, I guess, beneficial this week where you have an extra day to sort of, you know, think about, uh, you know, the ramifications of that loss, um, sort of let it settle in, uh, but then also, you know, try to regroup and figure out what you can do better in these final six games of the regular season here. Um, but it, it, this is the NFL, and... You know, what I mean by that is every game seemingly comes down to crunch time in the fourth quarter. And, and Kevin, I thought you had a good analogy earlier this week. I, I completely agree. You know, it's these fourth quarters of NFL games are like the final four minutes of NBA games or the last couple of holes at, at the Masters, right? I mean, there's just extra pressure, extra intensity, and it doesn't really matter what you did in the first series of the game scoring a touchdown. It's you know, can you can you punch it in first and goal from the five yard line, or can you make a play? You know, on on third and goal from the seven yard line against one of the best offenses uh, in the NFL when the Eagles had the ball there late in the game, down by six points. Um, you know, if you look at all the teams right now that are in the playoff field in the AFC, sort of the common denominator of them 
is they, they all have good records, obviously, but they've been able to rack up good records because of winning close games. And so the Colts being, you know, four, three, and one this year in one score games is really not um, independent of just them in terms of playing a lot of close games. Everybody plays close games. You know, the poster child for winning, you know, ugly and winning late and winning close games are the Tennessee Titans. You know, they're doing it this year. They're five and two in close games, one score games. You know, they're, I think they have like the second best record in the NFL. Um, in the last couple of years under Mike Vrabel of, of winning close games. So that's what you have to do in the NFL. You have to be able to close teams out. And it's a shame because this defense, I think, has played so, so well for major stretches of the season, but they just don't have a lot to show for it. I mean, the Colts have held seven teams to 20 points or less on the season. I mean, that's a really good number. Like 20 points is a good number to post in the NFL. If you if you give up 20 points or less, you feel really good about your chances to win that game. But the Colts are 3-3-1 three, three and one this year when they give up 20 points or less. So the defense has to be thinking to themselves, you know, gosh, like what, what else can we do? But they're a good defense, but they have to be an elite defense because of just quite frankly all the offensive struggles the Colts have had this year. That's sort of their lot in this season. Um, so from that standpoint, it's frustrating because the defense has played very well for most of the year, but they just don't have a lot to show for it. Yeah, I mean, to that point in the one-score games, that was a huge Chris Ballard talking point at the end of last season. I want to say they were 2-5 and five in one-score mm-hmm. games last season. Um, and, and I guess moving on, Matt, and Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us here on the Pale Sickers Hotline. You talk about the defense. You know, if you would have said to me at the start of the year, First year of Gus Bradley coordinating that that unit. He's got Shaquille Leonard for, what, two games all season, uh, 70-some snaps. I mean, not even two full games uh, when you look at the the snap total. You don't have a dominant edge rusher. I I think that's fair. And Gakwe's had some moments, but I don't think he's been dominant. And your turnover numbers are way down, and yet you just laid it out. I feel like this defense has played January caliber football for you like mm-hmm. to me I, I just have a lot of credit for what Gus Bradley's been able to do because some of the 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 big things you point to in helping out your defense turnovers and that edge pass rush it hasn't been there yet right. it's a unit that's played winning football for the majority of the 11 games you've played and held Philly and Kansas City to season low in in, in points right, right. And, and, and if you go back a couple weeks ago to New England sort of to, to drive home the point even further, I think the Colts only gave up like 240-some-odd yards to the Patriots. It was New England's still, worst yards per play in a game in like 12 years. Yeah, and, and the Colts lost by 23 points. Right. And, and so, again, you're just not you're not getting help from the offense. And, you know, we've been saying it all year where the offense is, you know, missing chances, uh, you know, just the other day, one for three in the red zone, and they fumbled in plus territory. Uh, you know, I think four, 14 of the 19 turnovers on the season have come in plus territory, you know, so that's just killing your opportunity to get touchdowns and get field goals. I mean, how many games would the Colts have won if they just get one extra scoring possession? I mean, at least two in the last two home games, as we just kind of laid out. But I, I think you just kind of laid it out there, Kevin. It's been a really good defense. And I think you can, if you had to qualify the defense, you would say it's been really, really good. Has it been great? Probably not consistently. Has it been elite? Probably not consistently. But it's certainly played well enough to win more than you know the, the win total that the Colts have right now. And I think what's slowing it down 
is are those takeaways? You know, are those you know big impactful strip sacks? You know, late in games or getting after the quarterback and getting him down to the ground. You know, when the Commanders have the ball under ninety seconds, or, or when the Eagles have you know third and goal under two minutes. Those are the, sort of the situations that that are preventing uh, this Colts defense from bumping up a level from good to great to elite. So. You know, Gus Bradley, I think, has come in and, and established a culture in a short amount of time, and guys are buying in, and certain guys are really thriving inside this defense. You know, guys like Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, obviously Zaire Franklin, who leads the NFL on tackles right now. Um, but what, they're, what they are just mi- uh, missing, those are just the, the game-changing plays, the takeaways, you know, being able to give the ball to the offense with, with short fields. Um, but even in saying that, I'm not sure the offense would be able to capitalize because they just haven't been, you know, to this point um, in the season, at least consistently. Um, and that's 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 the disappointing thing is just again the Colts defense has played so so very well consistently, but you know it's a 60 minute game, and you know the Colts unfortunately have been burned by you know playing really good 58 uh, minute games or 50 minute games, and it just seems like whatever can go wrong. Um, ends up just just dooming the Colts. They aren't, aren't, aren't or excuse me. They're not able to you know overcome the one or two mistakes they make on a on a game basis um, and, and and overcome those things and be able to still get a win despite playing really good. But you know those few mistakes end up just costing them in the end in terms of getting wins. Matt, when you look at Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, is our guest at the beginning of the game against Philadelphia. You know, obviously, Indianapolis got Jonathan Taylor in rhythm, and, you know, he's getting good runs, and they're able to establish on the ground. And then that went away quarters, you know, two through four, basically. I realize a lot of that is Philadelphia probably defensively honing in, making adjustments. But do the Colts have right now an issue or a problem when a defense does that? trying to open and massage things up offensively elsewhere in order to then keep defenses honest. Was it more about what Philadelphia did or more about Indianapolis's inability to counter that adjustment? Well, I know Rick's really big on this. You know, when you talk to Rick, um, he, he obviously studies the You're tape. You're talking about Rick Venturi, right? Right, yeah, Rick Venturi. And when you talk to him about this, um, you know, sort of the, the theme against the Colts to slow down Jonathan Taylor – who last year, you know, over 1,800 rushing yards and, you know, led the NFL in rushing. Teams are they're going to stop him first and foremost. They're going to they're going to take away the Colts running game. Um, and they're just not, if they're going to lose, they're not going to lose because of Jonathan Taylor killing them. Um, so teams are playing what's called that double think defense. And that's when, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, for layman's terms, it's the, the defensive ends are closer to the football uh, along that defensive line. And the Colts, um, zone gapping offense or the running game uh, just isn't able to work as effectively against that defense. And Rick's thing is that he wants to see more diversity out of the run game. He wants to see more schematical uh, changes. He wants to see more direct runs, uh, some more powers, uh, less gap, less zone. And the Colts don't have a, a true fullback. They don't really use one of their tight ends as an H-back like they did with Jack Doyle last year. Um, so Rick is very, very uh, you know, adamant that the Colts need to sort of become more diverse and become a little bit more um, you know, creative with their running scheme. And to this point, it, it's just, you know, the double sink is just killing them. And 
to your point, that first drive of the game where Jonathan Taylor nearly had uh, 50 rushing yards against Philadelphia when the Colts scored the opening touchdown, they were in that over defense. And they had some light boxes, only about six guys in the box, and the Colts hammered them. And then they adapted, they changed, and then the Colts you know, only averaged you know, 2.7, 2.8 rushing yards per carry for the remainder of the game. And so Rick is just, he's, he's wanting to see, you know, the Colts go out and get a fullback, be a little bit more um, aggressive. Uh, you know, we, he, even if it's like a guy like EJ Speed, you bring him in from the linebacker position and you line him up at fullback and you just get some more direct runs at these defenses um, and, and force them out of this double sink um, that has really, really given the Colts a lot of problems to, to find yards consistently on the ground this year. Um so that that plus obviously you know the the passing uh, game uh, you know Matt Ryan for a lot of the year uh, for most of the season has been under siege you know four more sacks the other day so the offensive line just hasn't been able to kind of figure out you know how uh, teams are adapting to the Colts running style and then when they have to go through the air you know you're seeing some problems at left tackle some right at, at right guard you know um, uh, Bernard Ryman and Will Fries combined for. Two and a half sacks allowed the other day and five penalties. So between all of that, it's it's been tough sledding for Jonathan Taylor in the ground game this year. Matt, kind of on that front, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us here. Um, you look back at you know some of the losses from last off season. Let's let's group them into three categories. Let's group you know, obviously T. Y. Hilton into one, Jack Doyle into another, and then let's combine Eric Fisher and Mark. Mark Lewinsky, because those were the two most frequent names at left tackle and right guard. Who do you think this offense is missing the most right now? Hilton, Doyle, or the duo of Fisher and Lewinsky? I just think I was just so impressed with what Jack Doyle meant to that running game last year. Um, I mean, he had so many blocks on the outside where he would sort of late in the down or late in the development of the running uh, attack he would seal his man off and turn a four or five yard play into a 12 or 13 yard gain for Jonathan Taylor because of the wham ability. And again, or if he's just an inline blocker on either the right side or the left side, or they line him up uh, as an H back, you know, the Colts just haven't been able to do those things consistently this year. Um, you know, Mo Alley Cox just isn't on the same level as Jack Doyle blocking. Obviously Kylan Granson still developing in that regard as a second-year tight end. Um, so I, I think out of all of those guys, I would say Jack Doyle is probably the most, you know, most missed guy because of all that he did. And he did a lot of things that I think fans didn't really know about because they didn't show up in the box score. But if you go back and just watch the tape, he was so instrumental for the Colts' success in the ground game last year. And the other thing, Matt, that that he did, that I'm not saying they they don't have a little bit of this year, but just so reliably, Matt, how many times, if you had to guess over the you know the last two years, how many times on like a third and six when the play was breaking down, did you have the excitement in your voice of the relief of the fact that Jack Doyle sprung himself free and was able to make a, a yeah. tough catch right at the first down line, right? I mean, right. he was the ultimate bailout guy, and I think they missed that. And he was just, I mean, his football IQ was just off the chart. So he, he knew where to go with the, with the, you know, not only with the football, but where to go to be open to get the football in his hands, you know, late in the down, like you said, or like, I need to be a possession guy right here. And I need to, you know, sit in this window. Or I need to get behind this corner. Or I need to get in front of this safety to make this catch for, 
you know, this pass to be completed right there. So his football savviness, that football IQ, I think is missed as well. I mean, he was just, I mean, we all know. I mean, Jack Doyle was just a, a great leader inside that locker room and did whatever was asked of him. You know, some days it was catching four passes for 50 yards, and then he would go a month without a target, but he would be huge, you know, in, in the ground game, you know, blocking for Jonathan Taylor, springing out big runs. You know, he was just a, you know, a meat and potatoes guy. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that the Colts can hopefully get back to that. But certainly Jack Doyle is, is a very under-the-radar piece that the Colts just don't have on their team right now. All right. Well, if you don't want turkey, you head to the Taylor house. I mean, no no turkey, no ham. They just pick – I think you guys just pick up Steak and Shake burgers, and that's what you go with, on, good with on Thanksgiving, which I'm, good with I'm totally fine with. We just go to the butcher shop. We just keep the butcher shops in Indian business this time of year, right? Gosh. How about I a tenderloin? Thanksgiving tenderloin. Yeah, that'll work too. Just, I mean, just not real big, not big turkey people. So whatever, whatever you got. I mean, turkey's there. We'll be, we'll be blessed and we'll eat it. We'll be thankful. But in in terms of the flavor palette, uh, chicken over turkey, uh, steak certainly over turkey. So we, we we just try not to mess it up, man. I'm with you. I am totally with I, you. I'd like to know what percent of people tomorrow that will eat turkey actually like turkey oh. as opposed to just like, hey, we're just doing it because no, it's people, tradition. People raising their hands right now, you don't really mean that. 16%. Yeah. I like turkey. 16%. Uh, I'm with you don't Mark. mean that, Mark. I do. Uh, yeah, but it's fine, Jake. You don't really like it. Turkey well, sandwiches I, all year round. I actually, I, I'm in agreement with that. I eat turkey a lot. It's lean. I think turkey sandwiches are different than turkey you have on Thanksgiving. Right, like going going to the to the deli and getting turkey, yeah. and having a turkey sandwich is different than like. I mean, when when what other time of the year do you make a turkey? Like, put a turkey in your oven, right? Or yeah. go to a restaurant and be like, "Yeah, you like guys a, been? Uh, is that bird done yet?" <laughs> right. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a turkey sandwich in a pinch, you know, throw it on a, on a little wheat wheat toast there, um, but. Yeah, I mean, no one, no one ever says, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna spend six hours making this turkey. <laughs> now, do you do you eat and or drink on game day? Do I eat and drink on game? I have a cutoff of so if it's a one o'clock game, I have a cutoff of eleven o'clock where I don't drink anymore because of the bathroom, the bathroom situation. By the way, we don't mean alcohol; you just good. mean consume liquids. Correct, right? Is that I, what you meant? I didn't want that to come off the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, if I got a 1 o'clock game, I'm throwing the vodka Putting down until 1045. Melon camp's on. <laughs> I, I'm shotgunning beers. Right. Fourth right. quarter's right. here. Right. Yeah, the, the last the last shot of whiskey is at 1030 on a, on a game day for me. <laughs> so, yeah, the bathroom situation at Lucas Oil Stadium is not good. Boy, you aren't uh, kidding, man. It is not good. So I, I, don't, I don't attempt to go to the bathroom. Um, so a way to prevent that is to just not drink before two hours before the game. Seven hundred twenty million, two elevators and one bathroom. No sips of water during the game to keep the voice lubricated. Uh, only, only if I have to. Honestly, okay. only if I have to. I mean, if we're if we're on the road in the bathroom situation and the press box at the visiting stadium is different, then I might change it up. But if it's a home game, that that bathroom at halftime. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah. I got it, some. It, I got some turn three platform tricks for you, Matt. Oh my gosh, that, that, that bathroom, for that's like that's that's a longer line for like the beast at Kings Island, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Mate, happy Thanksgiving, man. Appreciate you um, jumping on with us on a Wednesday this week, and uh, enjoy the extra day leading into Monday night. 
I appreciate you guys. You guys have a great holiday, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. That's a great Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. I thought when you were talking about how Turkey was underrated, I thought you were talking about the World Cup, but they're not in it, right? <laughs> I don't believe. We I don't had, think they are. Tunisia, right? But did you know that Istanbul was once Constantinople? We, you know that, right, Mark? Say that again? Istanbul was Constantinople. Okay. Yeah. Mark isn't happy right now because he needs over two and a half goals in this Germany-Japan match. Germany, get it together. 63rd minute, we got oh, one why, goal. Why, what's wrong with Japan getting it together? No, Yeah, well, I, I have Germany on the money line as well. Oh, so. Okay, what was the spread? I don't know. I just picked over two and a half goals in Germany on the money line. Pat, oh, Germany oh, on the money line, meaning straight up. Yeah. They set to win, okay. Mm-hmm. Pat goes with the uh, only reason a traditional turkey is good is because of the gravy. Without the gravy, no one truly likes turkey. No, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't know, man. I, it probably depends on how it's prepared, right? I like it. I feel like you need the gravy more for the mashed potatoes, usually. Ooh. If the turkey's done well... Mashed you don't potatoes need... can stand alone more than turkey can. The cream corn is where it's at. See, there's no cream corn at my Thanksgiving, usually. Do you know that, like, in the South... There are a lot of a lot of places where traditionally mac and cheese is a big Thanksgiving yeah. dish. We used to rotate. I mean, my, my palate isn't one of the greatest things in the world, so we we a younger Kevin Bowen would ask for some mac and cheese. I, I mean, I also am a pretty finicky eater, admittedly. I don't like green beans. Ooh, I love green beans. You can't have onions in anything. If, if onions are a no go. T.J. McConnell was big on the green beans. He was distributing the green beans last night, like he was distributing it on Monday night. Ten assists the other night, right? Three threes. Plenty of assists for everybody last night for the Pacers, helping out with the um, less fortunate for their really home cool for the holidays Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, it is. Cool. And they've done that now for almost three decades. Did you see the uniforms the Colts will be rocking on Monday night? Uh, the Colts have new uniforms. They are going with their 1956. Now, are those the white helmets that just have the horseshoe in the back left corner? So it's got two horseshoes on the back of the helmet, right? Um, I think that's what they wore on Thanksgiving in Detroit a couple years, like 10 years ago. I feel right? like when you look at them, it's not that much different. Three stripes on the shoulder pad area. Um, the numbers are a bit higher on the shoulder pads as well. And the cheerleaders will also be going with throwbacks. Do you know the uniforms the Colts need to go with that they've never gone back to, to my knowledge, is like the 1984 gray pants with the horseshoe on the hip with the number inside Ooh. of it? Yeah. I thought those were pretty sweet, but they just sucked back then. That's probably why they haven't gone back to it. Um, it sounds like people are saying you got to deep fry the turkey to truly enjoy it. Okay. That's what I'm hearing. Have you guys ever done that? I'd love to try it, but no, seems, I haven't done seems it Seems counterproductive to the health benefits of turkey, but that's okay. I mean, look at the spread tomorrow. I don't think health is the number one thing on the <laughs> do you know list. Why, do you know why Grace and More Allen... More yams, please. i got to watch my figure. Do you know why Grace More and turkey. Allen likes turkey? Oh, Why? The Mark, tryptophan. Just... <sighs> Brother, we almost made it, too. We were making such good strides. <laughs> Can you hit it? Yeah, I'll hit it. Okay. Uh, In my opinion, that sucks. I don't think so at all. I think the few people, that the, the 2% of people that got that joke are saying I was going to say, I think that no, joke would have worked like five years ago when he was at Duke. I think it's starting to fade. <laughs> Probably so. Yes. That's uh, rare here. Yes, thank you. Pop quiz is coming up. 317-239-1070. I, this qualifies as a freebie Friday, right? I, I guess. Sure. I said it, so I guess <laughs> I guess a better The man in the turkey point. had us spoken. Thank you. Uh, Jiffy Lube oil change for the contestant on the pop quiz. Uh, let's do a morning check down. 
The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So we'll start with college basketball. Notre Dame last night, 82-66, winners over Bowling Green. Irish now 5-0. St. Bonaventure over Southern Indiana, 80-66. It was Kansas City over Indiana State, handing the Sycamores their first loss. 63-61, and Purdue-Fort Wayne, a 74-67 winner over Eastern Michigan. In terms of the slate of games in college basketball tonight, it does include Indiana taking on Little Rock. That's at 6.30. Evansville and Central Florida at 7 o'clock. Butler and Tennessee at 7.30. Denver at IUPUI, an afternoon tip at 5 o'clock. Indiana State and Drexel at the same time. Purdue-Fort Wayne and Southern Miss at 3. And Valpo Sanford at 2 o'clock today. All right, tonight you've got the Pacers over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse against the Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner, some history in that matchup. Carl Anthony Towns had some big games against the Pacers. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the front court plays out. Anthony Edwards, of course, um, kind of a budding star. Um, so I think this is a really anticipated game, especially for a Western Conference team uh, coming to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Five straight wins, the Pacers, four in a row for the Timberwolves. After tonight, it's Brooklyn, the light, um, lighting of the tree night in downtown Indianapolis on Friday at 8, and then it's a seven-game road trip. So, as Rick Carlisle said yesterday, this schedule is about to get much, much tougher. That road well, trip, by the way. It was, uh, it was fun while it lasted. Well, that's, that's how the trip's going to be because they go out to California and Utah and all these beautiful Portland, cool places, and then all of a sudden Minnesota, where it's going to be like 10 below outside, right? Seven games. That is a long road trip. Uh, college football, Miami of Ohio yesterday, 18-17 over the Cardinals of Ball State. So Ball State missing out on bowl eligibility. In terms of the college football playoff, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU, the four unbeatens are your top four. The rest of the top ten, those that are trying to work their way in. And a traffic jam, LSU, USC, Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, and Tennessee. How about the bucket game on Saturday? You have four and seven Indiana and seven and four Purdue. The over unders for those two programs at the start of the year: four and a half for Ooh, Indiana, right. seven and a half for Purdue. Yeah, that's Vegas, man. Ten point spread is it still that? Vegas, ten and a half for the Boilers. That Too much. In, that game's in Bloomington, right? In Bloomington, hostile environment down there. Defend the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Why are you laughing? I, what if I was serious? <laughs> number one, I know you're not. And number <laughs> I can't two, take you serious. Number today. two, when your selling feature of your football program for ten years has been the world's largest flagpole and a nickname that no one else uses, that's an issue. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving slate for the NFL: Bills at Lions, Giants at Cowboys, Patriots at Vikings. Five of the six teams on Thanksgiving tomorrow are currently in the playoffs. The one that's not, the Lions have won three straight. How about the Lions, man? This is their time of year. This is their time of year to shine, baby. Mark, are the Lions the second best team in the NFC North? Uh, Sure. Right now, I guess, record-wise. It's like being the tallest member of the Lollipop Guild. Congratulations. Easy now. Clemson, <laughs> calm down over there. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. It is a freebie Friday on a Thanksgiving week. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wednesday. Give us a call. Pop quiz next. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Aaron says, not just deep frying turkeys, you got to go spatchcock. Excuse me? Spatchcock. Terrible term, but a great method. I have heard this, Aaron. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my dad about this tomorrow. Spatchcock. You're gonna talk to your dad about that? Did yeah. You that a, it, didn't you have that conversation when you were a teenager? Seems to be a popular, a growing, uh, popular method with turkeys. All right, son, sit down. Let's have a conversation. You guys just simply you got to broaden your horizons a little bit when it comes to turkeys. Okay. Spatchcock, right? All one word. You keep saying it, yeah. Right. I'm just helping people out Who there. Who came up that with are, that word? They're looking to Google that. Some chefs just sitting around after hours. Well, you know, we should call this one. Okay. okay. How was that the term they came up with? Arguably the most Jake's ever been silent in the show's history. I'm busy. <laughs> so we keep talking about it, though? I, I'm busy. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, hey, Jake, your wit and humor is grossly underappreciated, particularly by your coworkers. Right that's here. not true. I think we play along. <laughs> Again, that's it. Shannon as as is texting Jake here at nine thirty no, on trust me. Thanksgiving. She heard morning. your potty mouth and immediately turned over to Bob and Tom. <laughs> All right, it's time for the pop quiz. Scotty, did you go easy on him today? No, not really. Boy, yeah, this is not. Scotty gave me old spatchcock. <laughs> okay. A number one through eight, Jake. Freebie Friday. Uh, Maybe Wednesday. We'll go with number. What number is Benedict Matherin? Double He's zero. zero, right? And Tyrese Halliburton is single zero, right? Yep. Okay, well, that's three zero, so we'll go with number three. Number three, we've got Steve. Steve. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving. Love the hat. I think you could market those as a Kevin and Query giveaway for next Thanksgiving if the show makes it that long. <laughs> Steve, that is a if genius. The show makes it that long. Idea. He says. Yeah, I think, you know, ex- what did they say? Prepare for the worst, expect the best, or something like that? Maybe I have it wrong. Adam goes, if you have spatchcocked for more than four hours, you should consult the doctor. Have you ever spatchcocked a, a turkey, or have you ever heard of that term, Steve? I, I have. If you go to Sullivan Hardware Turkey Fest, they yeah. cook many turkeys with that technique. And, and do you do you know the technique? It has something to do with the back of the turkey, if I'm not mistaken. You split the turkey along the breastbone, and you wind up cooking it half. half. Do you have to pay extra for the spatchcock? Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Requested the restaurant. If you are you a um, turkey? Are you a fry, deep fry guy, Steve? Spatchcock. What's your flavor? Uh, however, my wife prepares to, prepares it. Okay. Right answer. Right answer. And I love it. I love it. What, how, however, she.
he prepares it. Steve, happy Thanksgiving to you. Yes, and, and I'm and I'm appreciative of spending typically three hours uh, of my week. I'm sorry, fifteen hours of my week with both of you. Oh, that that means a lot, Steve. And all sincerity, Jake is in shock and awe over the Spatchcock. I'm comments. actually looking here because I, this seems like there are repeat questions on the. Uh, Maybe not. I thought there were repeat questions on the pop quiz, but I stand corrected. I feel like Jake's gone back to school and now has become like a fact checker of Scotty's. Yeah. Well, actually, I've gone back to school and it's quiz. fun to have lunch conversations like I'm a seventh grader. You know what I mean? It's like and, right back in Eastwood. You know, and, and, and last night I enjoyed watching the Bowling Green Falcons play the Ohio Bobcats for an opportunity to play in the MAC championship game. And you know what would have helped the, uh, helped the Falcons last night in that game, Jake? Uh, do tell. You know, if they would have had a CAT scan, they might have been able to better understand the way the play of the Ohio Bobcat. Oh, my God, Steve. <laughs> and it was going so well until that. In my opinion, that sucked. Okay. All right, we're going to get into the pop quiz now, Steve. Jake, you want to throw number one out? All right, here we go. Question number one for you, Steve. The Pacers and T-Wolves tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Who leads the all-time series? That would be A, the Indiana Pacers, or B, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, that'd be the Timberwolves. You sure, Steve? How about the Pacers? Okay. You know, they're they're going to have the best winning streak in the nation right now. Uh, Just behind the Kings, right, Jake? That is correct. All right. uh, Number two, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We have three NFL games on the slate. Every NFL franchise except for one has played a game on Thanksgiving Day. Name the lone NFL team. Never played a Thanksgiving Day game. Probably a good thing, too. Texans, Bengals, Panthers, Jaguars. Um, how about the Jaguars? Because you got a good sounder for that. Okay, nice, Steve. Question number three, Steve. The Lions have hosted a Thanksgiving Day game since 1934, while the Cowboys have hosted a game since 1966. They are numbers one and two as far as the most games played on Thanksgiving at 82 and 54, respectively. Which team is third on the all-time list of most games played on Thanksgiving Day? Would it be the Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Bears, the Chicago St. Louis Arizona Cardinals, or the New York Giants? Um, let's go the New York Giants. Okay. And they will be playing tomorrow in Dallas. Um, all right, number four, Steve. The Kings won their seventh game in a row last night as they knocked off the Grizzlies in Memphis. When was the last time the Sacramento Kings won seven games in a row? 2009-2004, when the franchise was located in Kansas City, when the franchise was the Cincinnati Royals. Um, let's go with the first answer. 2009? <laughs> sure. Huh. Okay, last question for you, Steve. On this day in 1991, the Kings halted the longest road losing streak in NBA history at 43 straight games. Who did the Kings beat to snap their 43-game road skid? I will tell you it was a relatively new franchise at the time. The Minnesota Timberwolves, the Dallas Mavericks, the Charlotte Hornets, or the Orlando Magic? Uh, The Orlando Magic. All right, let's see how Steve did. Uh, question number one, Pacers, T-Wolves, Pacers doing Let's go! God, 41-23, I didn't realize it was that bad. Uh, the lone NFL team never played on Thanksgiving. You have the Texans that have played twice, the Bengals once, the Panthers once, the Jags, none. Yes! Uh, question three, this would be where Steve tripped up just a little bit. The Lions 
And Cowboys have hosted Thanksgiving Day more than any other team. Interesting because the Cowboys began it in 1966. Keep in mind that there was a lot of controversy around Thanksgiving in November of 1963 that the NFL played um, games on Sunday after President Kennedy had been assassinated in Dallas. But the team that has the third most appearances on Thanksgiving, the Chicago Bears. You blew it! You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. That's right. The Ursa Thanksgiving table That's conversation. Right. Yes. Uh, right. 2004 and the Orlando Magic. Were the answers to the last two? Is there some sort of like symmetry, and we expose the international fan base to Jacksonville as much as possible, but we don't expose our Thanksgiving fan base to Jacksonville for the NFL? <laughs> that is, uh, I always felt like, you know, the Jags were like the original NFL Network Thursday night teams because it was like, oh, oh we've yeah. got to, uh-huh. we got to give them a national television broadcast somehow, let everybody see it. The Jags just like. They've just kind of never taken off, right? Like God, this year they had such a nice. Like, do you know of any fans for them outside of that area? No, can't say I do. Can't say I do. All right, we'll do it one final time to set you up for the rest of this Thanksgiving week. Kevin and Quarry on a beautiful Wednesday morning. You guys, just letting it breathe. Yeah. I Adam Sandler, yes or no, Mark? Yes. Yeah. You guys like him? Oh Uh yeah. Okay. He's okay. Too much for you? No. He's... Hanging on too long for you? You know, I... Tom I'm... Brady in it? I've liked some of his movies for certain. What's your favorite one? I, I thought Big Daddy was great. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy's a good one. I gotta go with Mr. Ursay's Mr. Gilmore. Happy. <laughs> Mark? <laughs> uh, That's some good volume yeah, Gil- Billy Madison is always up there. Oh, yeah. Waterboy. Actually, the wedding singer's Wedding bad. singer's great. Yeah. Mark, you're jumping for joy in the break because you're over on goals hit, but you wanted Germany. Is that what? Yeah. So uh, maybe you're not Japan jumping for joy. might be on the verge of a Saudi Arabia upset over Now, is it that Argentina. big? Is I mean, it? I would say Germany, they're pretty heavy favorites right now. So we have Japan up 2-1, about to approach stoppage time over Germany. The United States back on the pitch Friday at 2 o'clock against England. Uh, be well served to get a draw on that one. That's the goal. Their last match uh, of the group stage next Tuesday, Iran. Uh, yesterday, by the way, speaking of wedding singer, every time you've mentioned Iran, we made the joke of, or I made the joke, you know, Iran, Flock of Seagulls. Uh, Chris said he's never heard of the band Flock of Seagulls. Hmm. I, I'm not one in the, you know, whatever slightly older generation of music but i have and I usually mean, i can get like, the wedding singer jmv can expose me you've very seen quickly. the wedding singer right oh, without question. but you know the song iran right by yeah Flock of well, we played it yesterday did we not no we played space age love song but oh, okay. iran is their, their big one but uh and and i appreciate chris who seems like a good dude and is a listener to the show but uh he then he did pull my biggest pet peeve ever though which was well why would i know them i was born in 1985 yeah i, I don't know man i mean i've what year did the Beatles break up? I'm not saying that Flock of Seagulls is the Beatles by any stretch, but I mean, you know, I know who Wes Unseld is. I didn't see him play. 
Again, this will be our last show of the week. Friday on our airwaves will be dominated by high school football and Saturday as well. So just a quick rundown on the state finals. It's the even classes on Friday. Those begin at 11 a.m. Andrean and Modern Day in 2A. East Central and New Prairie in 4A. And then Center Grove and Fort Wayne Carroll in 6A. The story of Fort Wayne Carroll is um, very tragic, but just an unbelievable run to the state finals. Their quarterback died of leukemia this summer very, very quickly. Um, they are now 13-0 and on the year. His name was Owen. Um, they'll be wearing orange in the crowd um, for him. Their colors are blue and white, but the color of leukemia awareness is orange, so they'll be rocking that as they take on Center Grove Friday night. And then on Saturday, again, the odd classes, Adam Central and Lutheran. So you've got rematches in 2A and 1A to start off those 11 o'clock games on Friday and Saturday. 3A is Chittard Lawrenceburg. Lawrenceburg down by Cincinnati? Yes. Like casino area? Uh, right on the Ohio. Yeah, correct. And then the nightcap, Valpo and Whiteland. Uh, pretty cool, the Whiteland. I think that's their yeah. first state finals I'm telling you, appearance for the Whiteland, Warriors. Best logos, best helmet logos in football. Blue and orange, is that right? That is correct. They're the Warriors, and their logo that is on the helmet, as I've said before, once you see it, you can never unsee it, but the subtlety of what is there in the messaging on the helmet is awesome for Whiteland. Uh, It is tomorrow, of course, Thanksgiving, but Friday is, I'm telling you, the cherub reappears down on the LS Airs clock downtown. People are out and about for the Circle of Lights. You've got the Pacers playing. You've got the high school state finals. Everybody getting ready for the bucket on Saturday. Colts on Monday. I mean, it is an awesome time in downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, it's one of my favorite, if not the favorite week of the year for me. Jake, I don't know. Maybe it's the more older you get, the more life events happen, good and bad, around you. I just feel like the meaning of Thanksgiving continues to grow for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Each and every year. Um, So thank you to... Everyone out there that support has supported us over the last year plus now, and um, safe travels this time of year, and, and cherish those moments with family and friends. I didn't necessarily like Thanksgiving as a kid, to your point, um, because it was just a day that you know, like old people came over, and you had to like right. Eat, and you, you really know. hate turkey that age, right? Yeah, totally. Um, but you are right. I mean, it's uh, it's a fun fun day and a day to just kind of reflect. So no no question about that. Um, in terms of the weekend itself, Kevin, you are staying here, correct? Yeah, so we'll go to fortunate that both sides of the family live in town. So um, we'll uh, we'll do the double dip there. And you are off to Juge, your sister Juge's sister house in Carmel. Yep, we are on our way there. And then um, down here Friday night. But yeah, that's correct. Come out and take in everything, soak in everything on Friday. Mark, you are headed where? We're heading up to Illinois tonight. So we'll be up at my parents' house, and then we'll see my aunts on. Uh, Thanksgiving in uh, New Lenox, Illinois, then Cedar Lake uh, for my sister-in-laws, and then Ashley and I are celebrating our seventh wedding anniversary on Are you Friday. really? Yep. Nice. So we're going out to the place we went. We got married at in Taking Cedar another Lake. Uh, three weeks vacation on that oh, nine if, I, guys, if I could, I would. <laughs> now, you're out, uh, you're out Monday, right? No. Or is that next Would Monday? you like me to be? No. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. We're just so used to it. <laughs> We get the emails once a month. Mark Dykton is out on this day. Good Lord. He's got a 10-day vacation. How do you pull <laughs> This guy off? negotiated the best vacation days in the history of mankind. Before so we, we are uh, back when? Monday, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, before we sign off, bucket game prediction? 
Ten and a half point spread, Purdue in Bloomington. Todd Meyer just walked in, so the pressure's on. I'll say Purdue wins a close one, but I am a little nervous if I were a Boiler fan. Very. I think Indiana stuns the world. 21-17 Indiana. Now, how will Tom Allen react after that one? <laughs> oh, good Lord. He'll run all the way to Martinsville. Everybody have a great, great Thanksgiving. Again, safe travels. We'll talk to you on Monday.